0: Hey folks, Brian here with a quick announcement before the show begins. Um, if you want to listen to a mix that Vince, Zach, and I made of Sufjan Stevens songs in preparation for the nearly two-hour conversation we have after this week's episode, we still give you guys a full hour of comics track, don't worry. Uh, but if you want to hear that, you can find it in the show notes at multiversitycomics.com. Enjoy! To the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Zach and Vince. We're going to talk about the DC Comics released on September twenty fifth, twenty nineteen. But first, Zach, who is our new Batman writer? Well, I know no one ex- expected this, um,
1: but it's uh, James Tynion the Fourth.
0: How do you feel about this, Vincey?
2: Uh, it's extremely safe. I think some of the best stuff James Tynion's written at DC has been Batman stuff. I think I, I liked him as a co-writer on some of those, uh, Scott Snyder issues and his detective run was for the most part, fantastic. So, you know, I, if I say it's a boring choice, I don't really mean that in the, I don't mean any offense to, to, to James or, uh, you know, I don't mean that to be derogatory at all, but um, it's it's not a choice that makes you go, whoa, what the... You know, or like... It's, it's not, not like
1: Gerard Way on Batman.
2: Right, it's not like right. Gerard Way on Batman. It's not like, you know, we were kicking around, like, Christopher Priest, which may still happen yet, uh, G. eventually. Wilson. Or like G. Willow Wilson. That would have been like a holy cow. Um, this is just like, oh, th- that makes sense. That's what DC you know especially coming off of Tom King's Batman, right? I I think I I get a sense that DC didn't want to take another chance with Batman. Yep. Uh coming off of King, which is weird because I feel like of any of the books that you publish, you could take chances with Batman because it'll sell no matter what. But it just feels like it feels like them returning to okay, we're going to do a more traditional more traditionally told Batman story I'm sure it's gonna be good I, I w- if I had to put money down on, on me liking it I would um, but uh, not it's like a what it's like a, a reliable single or a double rather than a triple or a home run mm-hmm. as far as like swing for the
0: fences I think also yeah. when you pair him with Tony Daniel who is about as um, expected a Batman artist as you can get at this point it just makes the book feel like DC's going, whoa, whoa, whoa. We know we tried something with Tom King. It didn't work out. Here is a safe Batman book everybody can agree on for a little while. Mm-hmm. Even if that's not an exciting choice. And I think that maybe they're doing this. And maybe this isn't a bad approach. Maybe maybe big properties should be approached with a one out there take and then one safe take back to back. Yeah,
1: well, and I, I do feel like this is a temporary thing. Like, I, I'm would be really surprised if the book doesn't get, if not like completely re like reset with a new number one after one hundred. I think it'll at least get a new creative team with one hundred or one hundred one or whatever. I think that's going to be the big shakeup moment.
3: Mhm.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Um, Did you hear that they're planning on bringing? nightwing back in this book i I did yeah yeah
1: um yeah no i think this is good like tanyan's tech was really really good and he's kind of talked about how he wants this to be you know whereas that was bat family this is batman solo and on one hand i think that feels less interesting to me i really like the bat family stuff but um you know, I'm I'm excited to kind of see what he does and kind of hoping that he pulls in some tech stuff. You know, it'd be really nice if we got uh Clayface back in this.
2: Right. Yeah. I think that is a given. I think that's gonna happen.
0: I think so too.
2: Even if but for just a single issue or
1: something. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I wonder how much of this is just is just to set up the new status quo across the board. Like, if they're bringing back Nightwing in this book, is this just a six-month or one-year project to get the Bat books all lined up again properly before the next big thing? I I could see it, yeah. Yeah. I think that you're going to see... Something similar, like when when 100 hits, you're gonna see something similar to what happened when Bendis came aboard the super super books, where like all the super books kind of reverted to a new status quo that was led by Bendis. So I think whoever takes over Batman at 100 will sort of have a similar, you know, similar approach to these books.
3: Uh,
1: sure. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, and I can even see like I I can imagine <laughs> Batman 100 being like an action 1000 style thing that's you know an anthology that features a you know we'll probably get like a tiny in front story probably like a little tom king one-off scott snyder one-off scott snyder one-off and then whoever the new upcoming writer will ha- writer will have a little you know eight page thing at the end
0: yeah yeah anything else to say about this no. No. it's certainly not a bad choice and like Vince said just because we're saying it's a safe choice doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad choice um, but let's talk about Action Comics number 1015 written by Brian Bendis illustrated by Simon Kadransky, who I think all of us may owe a small apology to because his work on this book's been much better than I think I expected do you guys agree with that?
1: I do, yeah, honestly.
2: Yeah, I think... Yes. There's... There's an issue or two with a with a, a page or two that... Where it was up to the old tricks that I, I, I didn't care for. But yes, I think on the whole, and, and this issue definitely, much better than I'm used to. For sure, yeah.
0: So let's talk about this. Um, this issue serves basically to introduce Naomi into the DC Universe. There's about five pages towards the end that aren't about Naomi. But for the most part, this is is about Naomi meeting Superman and then meeting Batman and introducing her into the DC Universe proper from her solo title. And I think that overall, this issue does a really good job with that. It kind of pisses me off because... You pretty much didn't have to read the Naomi solo book because we didn't learn too much about her over those six <laughs> issues, and you kind of get it all here. But I thought this was a very effective introduction. What did you guys? Well, think?
1: that's almost like the that's almost like the Captain Marvel before in game argument, though. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, not to say that you're entirely wrong, but um, yeah, I think this is someone could maybe make the argument that this is Bendis at his most self-indulgent. Um, but I honestly think it's very good. So I don't mind. Um, you know, even small, th- small things like having, uh, Jaina and Zan show up. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm. Love is, that.
3: Is,
1: I, yeah. I love it. It's like, it's great. Like this is very much like Bendis, you know, Tooting his own horn here, um,
0: to put it nicely, <laughs> um, but how might Paul McCartney say he was doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Vince. What would he say?
2: oh he'd say he was a gronker is plonker.
1: There, there uh, it is. There it is. Um, but yeah, no, it's just like it's really, really good. Um, this is what Bendis does really well. Is create these like new young POV characters and then throw them in with the characters that everybody loves and then have them hang out. And it's awesome. And, uh, Naomi's cool.
2: Yeah. I mean, mean? when, when Bendis gets on his bullshit, it's very forgivable when (laughs) it's as good as this, you know, there's a lot of banter and it's actually witty. Uh there's not a heck of a lot of like the weird repetition or, or the or talking like people don't really talk in real life. There's you know? a little
0: bit of that there, in, there's her, a, there, in her like there's, opening monologue as she's like planning what to say to Superman. There's always going to be a little yeah. bit of that I think in in Bendis stuff.
2: Yeah. Sure. Oh, there is for sure. Bendis loves to write characters talking about how they know that what they're talking about or what situation they're in is crazy. Yes. For some reason, he loves to do that. No. Now, I know this is crazy. I know it sounds crazy. Uh, no, you're in the DC universe. You're in the Marvel universe. Like, it's literally not crazy. You can stop pretending that, you know, there's got to be a little bit of that whenever you introduce a new yeah. character to, you, you know what I'm saying? But, like, Bendis yeah. really tends to overplay that aspect. Sh- um, sure.
1: But, but I, w- I-, I will say, like, I will give them a little bit more pass when it comes to internal monologue versus like characters actually talking because I mean, definitely when you talk in your own head, there is kind of a, at least in my head, (laughs) maybe (laughs) like a, a bit of neurotic repetition going on that
2: I can agree with that kind of
1: replicates. It's just not the most natural thing to read. Right.
2: Yeah. Yep. Um, that's right. Uh, I think a really nice touch was that when Naomi started to fly, the first thing she thought was, I got to go see Superman because he's the best at, th-. you know, like, right. Mm-hmm. He's her inspiration. And that's, that's great. It is um, great.
1: also mirroring the, those scenes from earlier in action, the like the first, first person, person flying. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, I love that, like Ray Palmer's immediately like examining her, takes yep. her to the multiversal map. <laughs>
1: Do any of these Earths
2: look familiar?
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, and they're, they're just circles on it. It's literally just Morrison's.
0: And then, and then Batman walks in and says, "Has anybody shown you a multiversal map yet?" <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. Very good. <laughs> Multo
2: Molto Bay for sure. And yes, and I, I love I continue to love Beness's Batman, carrying over from the Walmart stuff.
1: But oh, that yeah, that bit where Clark's like, "Why do you do that?"
0: Yeah, <laughs> he really gets the Clark Bruce relationship. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, all that stuff in the Justice League headquarters was fantastic. The stuff with Red Cloud at the end actually felt a little bit like biding for time, considering I feel like we've seen this already, kind of.
0: Mm. You know? Yeah.
2: Um, but that's fine. That's going to happen from time to time in comics. And I, I think that, you know, the first three quarters of the book were so good. Um, so such an enjoyable read that. You know, I didn't mind kind of retreading some thematic villainous ground there at the end. Um, I like the shot of Perry White sitting there <laughs> while there's this fight outside his window. I feel like, you know, just like J. Jonah Jameson, he just happens to not see when <laughs> there's like incredible stuff
0: happening behind him or whatever. Well, he's so focused on like what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. He's lost in that. Yeah, exactly. Um, So I I guess, you know, the obvious answer is because she was created by Bendis. But what do you think is going to be the key to keeping Naomi from becoming sideways or becoming one of those other characters that isn't going to be important or mentioned ever again, you know, in a few months? Well, you got to get her infected by the Batman who laughs. Uh, We'll talk about that in a little while, huh? (laughs) um, No, but really, do you think that there's a chance that she is a reasonably minor character in the DC Universe? Or is Bendis setting her up to be an actual impact player?
1: Well, I mean, I'm sure he would love for her to be like DC's Miles Morales or Kamala Khan, you know, like that's very much what she's being positioned as way more so than I think, you know, like anyone would have ever reasonably expected sideways to be.
0: (laughs) Sure. Um, But but is she an effective enough character to pull that off?
1: I think it's still kind of early tough and early to say, I think she has the potential to be definitely.
0: Vince, what do you think?
2: I, I oh boy, I think she'll be around as long as Bendis wants her around. Yeah, and I think, I think historically, so it's funny. DC is the legacy; it's the company known for legacy. But but with that comes the fact that even though they have far more legacy characters than Marvel does, I think. I, I think Marvel kind of treats them better.
0: Oh, certainly.
2: Like, like, Marvel never... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm I'm not that much of a Marvel guy, and so, like, maybe, there's, maybe there have been a ton of deaths lately that I've just missed. But, like, when DC doesn't want to use a legacy character anymore, they tend to just throw them in the trash for a while. They always come back eventually, but they go right in the bin. Whereas Marvel will just you won't see him for a while. They might get sidelined or something, but they don't make any big deal about like, uh, putting Wally West in prison or something.
1: Right. Like that. You know,
0: Yeah.
1: much less like act actively violent <laughs> against their legacy characters when they've fallen out of favor.
0: Yeah.
2: Part of that is what makes DC's legacy characters, uh, more quote unquote important. I think. But it's, but it's also what pisses a lot of people off. So it's impossible to say whether it's good or not. Um, that's a drill. That's a drill.
0: But I think you actually can.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Anything else to add about this book?
1: Um, just that I really like how this book is kind of not tying into Leviathan while still tying into it. Um, I, I I like how it's being handled.
0: Yeah, I can agree with that. Alright. Let's talk about Batman Superman number two. Written by Josh Williamson, illustrated by David Marquez. We're all fans of Josh Williamson on this show. Let's get that out there up front. Yeah. <laughs> but reading this comic, I just wish that Bendis was writing this. Like when well, you s- wished- when you see how how Batman and Superman interact in action comics and then you see them here, this just feels off, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah. I guess so. I hadn't really thought about that. I would I couldn't get past like That last page is one of the silliest things I've seen in (laughs) a long time.
0: I actually didn't hate the last page. Oh, well. uh, We'll get to that in a minute, though. Um, I actually didn't hate this
2: whole thing. (laughs) Oh. I I mean,
0: I
1: didn't hate it. yeah, I didn't hate it.
2: Here's the thing. I don't think the interaction between... Bruce and and Clark is off. I just think by comparison, it's a lot less fun. Yeah. I think, I think going, if, you know, Bendis is being so playful with the two of them because it's kind of a a breather in the story. Whereas this is all about a really tense thing that's going on and, and Bruce and Clark getting beaten by their enemy. You know, and so the tone is completely different. The way they talk to one another is more accusatory. But I don't think it doesn't sound like Bruce and Clark.
0: I, I felt in particular that you don't normally see Clark get this pissed off of Bruce. With uh... this testy, maybe is way to put it.
2: Yeah, maybe. Oh man, they're so yeah. they're like they're like rippling and handsome on that page.
1: Yeah, they are. It's yeah, like two I really, Greek I gods know. looking
2: into one another's eyes.
1: I I really didn't think that that was like too far off. I mean, I guess I, I that that stuff didn't
0: really occur to me. I guess,
2: especially because they immediately drop it.
0: Sure. I mean, I, I'm not saying it was the worst characterization. This isn't Tom King we're talking about, No. Um, <laughs> oh boy friend of the show no no friend of mine pal oh did well
1: that just reminded me of the diane nelson jeff johns thing did you see that no no oh uh, is
2: this juicy gossip
1: it's not juicy gossip it was like on twitter she like somebody asked her about it started off as some like okay so like she said something in praise of joker and then like some snyder cut goon was like oh why didn't you support justice league la, la la. and then something something jeff johns your buddy jeff johns and she said she responded like oh he's no friend of mine or something wow. salty nobody like of that mine. Ooh. nobody of mine yeah oh
2: boy Ooh. this is juicy
1: yeah spicy yeah uh,
0: Yama, i didn't hama. mean
1: to i didn't mean to derail the conversation but you you're your phrasing there just reminded me of it, and I wondered if you were alluding to it.
0: No, I did not see that. So, Yamahama.
1: We might talk about
0: that more when we get to Shazam. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Vince, tell us why you, this is your favorite book of the week. Uh, it's not, I'm just But kidding. I'm just kidding. but the art is gorgeous. Yeah, Marquez is doing really nice stuff here.
2: Yeah. And I think I think one mistake that that the horny among us make is when all the when all the characters male and female are hot. <laughs> like that's good art. <laughs> and well they are hot. Uh, even Jim Gordon is hot in this. Old stupid old man sexy that he is. Gordon, stupid <laughs> sexy Gordon. Um uh what was I saying? Now I'm distracted by the
1: hot...
0: How Marcus's uh, art is good, uh, but how, the, the, the horny yeah. among us... Uh... <laughs> right, right. It's, no, it's, no, no, no.
1: It's good... Um, you know, compare it to something like... I hate dropping names, but... Like, Clayman, maybe.
2: Sure. Well, he draws things. hot. He,
1: That's he what dra- I mean. He he draws hot, but... yeah, maybe not as objectively... Pleasing as this? Good.
2: The thing about Marquez's art is that al- almost every page features like an epic panel or layout that it's kind of like you turn the page and you're shown something great. Like the, like, the So there's a fight between the Shazam Who Laughs and uh, Bruce, and it's when Bruce succumbs in the fight. And on the next page, all of a sudden, he's centered on the page in this uh, Fortress of Solitude Bakta tank essentially that that he's punching his way out of that's such an interesting transition. And I know that that has something to do with the way that Williamson wrote it, but the artistic effect is really, that's what affects you. Right. All of a sudden he's stuck in this weird chamber. We haven't seen yet. Right. Mm. And he's punching his way out. The art serves to like make the reader say, what is going on? Where is Bruce right now? You know, um, and then it flips to the next page, and it's like a wounded Superman walking in. And there's just such a such a big epic scope to a lot of this stuff that it, it helps the book feel a little bit more important than just being another story about the Batman who laughs. Um, it's 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 making me want to read these characters, even if they're in a situation that I'm not, 100% thrilled with having to go through. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Sure. Mm-hmm. Can I make a really dumb observation?
2: Uh, go Gordon is gray now all of a sudden? Wasn't no, he?
0: I, I did notice that a couple issues ago. I think that's been a thing for a few months now in various is
2: books. It, is that official? Like he's gray, he's gray now?
0: I don't know if it's because he's infected that he's gray.
2: Okay. Oh man, if that's the thing that makes him gray for for good now,
0: then I'm fine with it. <laughs>
2: it well, Yeah. It was all for it was all for the greater good.
0: No, my,
1: the greater good. Uh,
0: uh, no. My, oh. my silly observation is that um, they really need to find out the nickname for the Batman who laughs cuz it's so clunky to have in conversation Bruce being like but Clark, the Batman who laughs is out there. It's just, they need to come up with a snappier name for him.
2: They should call him um, Laffy.
0: Laffy.
1: <laughs> Laffy Taffy. <laughs> Old Laffy Taffy.
0: Clark, have you seen Laffy Taffy? <laughs> yeah. I'm in for that.
2: The the joke is that in, uh, in Sean Murphy's book, the Count... It's Count Laffy is the Joker <laughs> descendant.
0: Oh, man. Um, so I, I do want to talk about the end of this book, where basically Batman and Superman try to convince the Batman who laughs that Superman has been turned into the Superman who laughs. <laughs> and I love the idea of, like, I wish we got a scene... Of Bruce and Clark in front of a mirror, where Bruce is like, More eyeshadow. Clark's like, No, it's too much. You know, it's like, no, trust <laughs> me, I know what I'm talking about here. If they were able, if they showed like a scene of them applying makeup together, I would have loved that.
2: That'd be great. Yeah. Be and, really and, cute. yeah. Uh, Clark practicing saying very twisted
0: things. Yeah, exactly. He's like, This milk is curdled. No, Clark's got to be meaner than that. Yeah. <laughs> <No. laughs> That's funny. Never seen garbage eat garbage before. <laughs> there we go. Uh, I I try to find ways to say that in normal life all the time. I haven't found one yet. <laughs>
2: yeah, pissing people off left and right.
0: Yeah, um, you can
2: just walk up to some stranger in a exactly, diner, yeah. get your ass kicked. Hey, I just wanted to say it. Oh, are you mad because I? Intimated that you would get your ass kicked in a fight? Yeah. Come on.
0: Hey, I'm Italian.
2: <laughs> hey, oh, hey. Doesn't that, doesn't that mean you need, like, three or four of you guys to...
0: Hey, fuck you.
2: ...win a fight? Uh, Gabagool, over oh, yeah. here.
0: Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Sopranos Con is coming up.
2: <laughs> the, the Sopranos who laugh. <laughs>
0: Oh man, now I want to find. There's a scene where Tony realizes that they're only laughing at him because he's the boss. They have his jokes. Uh, everyone's like doing yeah. exaggerated laughs. I want to find that scene now and drop it in here, but I'm not going to do it. So, uh, listeners Tony just so. Google that scene. It's good. Um... Tony, so. <laughs> Here's his wife, Carmella. Uh, okay, so. Um... Is this book. Do we think this book is going to exist? after the Batman who laughs stuff is done or is the Batman who laughs stuff going to be never done or is this book going to end <laughs> in six months
1: I think it'll keep going past this honestly
2: yeah it's going to keep going because if it, if it wasn't they would have called it something else if it was a stealth miniseries or maxi series, they would have called it uh Twisted Batman and Superman, or something like that. You know, they would have called it. They would have called it something.
1: The else. Batman and Superman who laugh
0: together. The, the world's <laughs> finest who are laughing together. <laughs> yes, world's finest laugh. We and are laughing. The world's, would, be... <laughs> no, the world's finest chuckle fest
1: No, I uh... world's
2: chuckle fox.
1: <laughs> I think that this book will keep going. I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't Williamson on it and definitely not Marquez on it anymore.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I wonder if it'll end up being maybe like an anthology style thing, like the book used to be, or like Superman, Batman became, Yes. Mm, um, yes. Yeah. which oh, I'd be down for.
2: I, damn. I know what it's going to be. Tom Taylor, get him on it. It's going to be when, when Doctor Manhattan replaces Superman, and when Rorschach two replaces Batman in the in the main DCU, Ooh, they're gonna star in the book.
1: That'd be good. Batman, Superman, <laughs> featuring Rorschach and Doctor Manhattan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the most bizarre idea we've probably ever come up with on this stupid show.
0: Uh. I don't know. We've had some pretty bizarre, stupid ideas. Yeah. But...
2: President Superman, Obama, and Thomas Wayne, Batman. Flashpoint. Oh,
1: dang. Yes.
2: They're two folks that'll just never get along. <laughs>
0: That'd be the Superman who bungles, am I right? <laughs>
2: sack
0: Mario combo <laughs> Yes There it is <laughs> I was going to say on Krypton But uh, that works too <laughs> Oh man
2: <sighs> oh, I'm wiping Wiping the tears away
0: Yeah right, Anything um, else to say about Batman Superman? Nah Okay Not for me You know what time it is then boys harleen oh, harleen time harley written and illustrated by stepan harleen Seget. harleen
1: there it is you want to know what what i hate i hate myself but i didn't hate this book i didn't uh, hate this book either
0: i liked it <laughs> well i'm glad I, we're in agreement okay. i
3: freaking liked it
0: i'll say a few things up front and then i'll let you guys talk about this more because i don't have too much to say about this book uh, okay, yeah. There's no reason for this book. No. Uh, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, the, the
2: reason is Harley's very
1: popular.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, and I'll say that I don't think there was a single scene in this book that necessarily made me understand Harley Quinn as a character better. But... It was fine. It it was fine.
1: Um, I've never read any of Shajik's Sayik. Sayik, I'll never get it. Sayik's uh, creator and staff,
0: Willem it's... Defoe. <laughs> it's usually um, pretty close yeah. to a cheesecake stuff.
1: I'm fam- I'm familiar with it. I I've like seen some pages cause I used to follow him on Twitter and he would post like threads of his comics. Um, mm-hmm. Like you could pretty much read the whole thing just through his Twitter threads. Um, and aside from being a lot tamer, it seems like just very par for the course, like thematically like what he does. Um, and it got me to thinking, like how much, how much of this, it, this aspect of Harley is or isn't core to the character. This kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, like Harlequin romance novel esque origin story. Hmm.
0: You mean like how much how much her origin plays into what we see her do every day in her comics? Like how
1: much of well, like how much of this or her origin plays into that trope, I guess, of like you know, kind of the forbidden romance and the you know, the the cautionary tale that you yeah. know, the like not this isn't nearly as like creepy or well, I, I, I don't know. This this isn't Fifty Shades of Grey, but it's like in that wheelhouse, you know. Mm-hmm. It's doing some of the same things. Sure. It's playing on the same forbidden interest, I guess, you know. Yeah. And and it's it got me to thinking about, you know, is that inherent to the character? Is is she defined by that? Or is it just, like, a convenient overlap? I mean... I would say Dashi's definitely not.
2: No, but DC would not like you to
1: forget it, you
2: know? Yeah, like,
1: that's the, a good we way keep, to put we keep, it, yeah.
2: We keep going back to this well. We, we've we said this on the show before, like, Harley Quinn as a character has moved on, but DC hasn't. Mm-hmm. And because... The, because DC owns the character, we're always going to come back to this origin. And I know uh, Multiversity contributor Jess Camacho has talked a lot about this on Twitter um, because she's seen and heard Sayek talk about this story idea for years, apparently, that this is going to go beyond the Joker and Harley relationship and, and probably bring in Poison Ivy at some point. Um, but we are always going to return to this, right? This is Harley's, uh, pearls in the alley, you know?
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: And, and it always is going to include that, that forbidden, forbid I don't know, forbidden, forbidden fruit, donut. is that right? Forbidden donut. <laughs> I should not eat thou. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: So, yeah, I I, I shall become a Joker's girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: But I I think, Brian, you said that that this doesn't (coughs) this doesn't tell us anything about Harleen that we don't already know. And I think that that's you're you're 100 percent right. But I think that it does expand things that we already knew.
0: Yes, there,
2: in some interesting
0: ways. There, there are some nice moments in this book mm-hmm. that we wouldn't have. That I'm, that I'm glad we were able to read. But in terms of, you know, one of the reasons I think that these books are so popular, in terms of from creator standpoints, is you get to take a character that's beloved, that people know and care about, and then you get to add something new to the mix, whatever that means. And I feel like Sayek didn't really add anything new to this mix yet. Yeah.
2: And, I, yeah, I, I think that's intentional. I think he's giving he's giving the average reader what they want, which is um, Harley taking a tour through the Batman rogues because she's basically interacting with a bunch of different characters that are very recognizable, including a pre-Two-Face harley Dent. Harvey Dent, Harley Dent. Harley Whoa. Dent. That's
0: Harley meet Harvey. Head. Harvey meet Harley.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Uma, Oprah, Oprah, exactly.
0: Uma. Uh, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um,
2: uh, yeah, so so it's kind of taking the the classic like, hey, I may only get one chance to write all these characters, so I'm going to cram them all into one book. And most readers like that, I think. And I think Sayek does a pretty good job with all that. Some of it is kind of rammed in edgewise, ham-fisted. ram V? ram V'd in, yeah. But it's, uh, it's, I I think that's because, like, well, like I just said, like if, if Sayek thinks like this is his one chance to tell a uh, Harley story, that's just what he's going to do with it. And I, I think most people like that. And I, I like it to a certain degree um i think I, I, it's a little bit hammered over your head but this idea that in harley's professional life she's clearly like a brilliant person who doesn't express herself well and then for the most part might not be taken all that seriously that's a theme that that comes up over and over again and so if you know if it turns out that the joker is the first person to take her seriously or something that's you know to, to me i can see that that how that would be like a legitimate point of interest for her um so i think yeah it, it's and it looks really good too like we like say art i know that he's got a lot of fans and then there are some detractors who think that Everybody's making the DreamWorks face all the time, <laughs> which is true. That's true. But I think it—I think it looks good. I think it's expressive. I think it's—it's um, it's, a, its a style that you can either take or leave. And I'll, I'll take it. Um, and the, the Joker is just stupid sexy in this. So we're talking a lot about sexy. I am anyway. Sexy DC characters this week.
1: Yeah. I mean comics gotta sell.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, the joker's yoked, man. He's
1: ripped. And he's that smile
2: that smile. yeah, the irresistible smile that 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 cool anime dude hair yeah
0: <laughs> that is I very th- anime hair you right yeah
1: <laughs> i i think the only negative thing that i would really say about this issue is that it didn't need to be 60 pages it felt like it was stretched out for the format yeah um and and i just i i don't This black label format, this kind of like oversized magazine format is really interesting, but I don't think any of the books who have used it have used it very well. I think maybe, you know, Last Night on Earth has done it the best so far. Mm -hmm. Um, And it actually kind of reminds me of those um, more like prestige style books that DC did a year or two ago, like Mystic U and um, Mm -hmm. uh, there were some other good ones. I can't.
2: Which were clearly just mini series jammed together, I
1: think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Supergirl, the Supergirl one, like oh, yeah. being, super. being super. Yeah, those those did it a little better than this, I think. Hmm. Um. That that would be, I guess, like the one critique I would have is it just feels a little decompressed for the sake of the filling format. out the format. Yeah, I, um, I can agree with that. But it yep. is really it does look really good. Yeah.
2: I think it's interesting that they're they're already I mean, we knew this was happening, but they're really scaling back on the uh, content as far as what they're letting creators get away with. Mm-hmm. I feel like I mean there's some language that's covered up in this.
0: Well, that was really and weird and, other, to and others
2: me. and others that not. Well, I don't think it's weird because they're covering up the instances when they're when they say fuck and they're talking about sex and they and they let the ones fly that are not, which is a PG-13 thing. where like, you can do one or two F-bombs in a PG-13 movie now, as long as they're not in reference to sex. Right. Which is so weird. Clearly the choice that they're making from a puritanical perspective. Uh, which so I disagree with. I think that's stupid, but that's just the world we live in, I get That's the America we live in. <laughs> you can't see the same word if you're talking about something else. You know? Yeah. Um, and, I, and I feel like, you know, I feel like Sayek would uh, be tossing a little more uh, Joker's dingus in this if he could.
0: Yeah, I think if this came out before Batman Damned, there would have been like a couple of scenes of a uh, full-frontal nudity and some character. <laughs> yeah,
2: if not, if not, a few characters.
0: All right, well, let's move on to the next one. We got Justice League Dark number fifteen. Um, I don't know about you guys, I had kind of fallen behind on Justice League Dark, so I used today as an opportunity to catch up, and I'm really glad I did. Uh, this issue was written by James the IV, illustrated by Alvaro Martinez Bueno. Uh, I didn't think this issue was necessarily the best issue of the book, but I really like the direction the book is going right now. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff happening in the book. And, uh, yeah, I have some specific thoughts, but I want to wait till I hear you guys' basic thoughts on this book first. So, Zach, what did you think of this book?
1: Um, So kind of similarly, I didn't catch up completely um, because there's still some of the kind of, uh, middle, some of the one-offs that have happened since the end of the last arc that I didn't read, but I did read the first issue, the the issue preceding this one. That was kind of the start of this witching war arc. And um, yeah, no, this book is awesome. <laughs> um, I kind of want to go back and reread it all from the beginning because I've read it in a very fragmented way. Um, but I feel like the status quo right now is really, really cool with the two, dr fates and you know this kind of tenuous status for swamp thing and all the stuff that's been going on with diana um this feels you know very much like a direct follow-up to the witching hour um which is really kind of where i sort of stopped paying a lot of attention to the book um but um I yeah, I really enjoyed this issue a lot. Especially um, now, I'm like worried I'm getting my issues crossed. But this this issue did feature the part where like Swamp Thing tries to infiltrate the Green, and and Floronic Man is there with uh, Papa Midnight. Was that this issue?
0: Uh, I believe so yes no
1: okay good good i was i was afraid i was like dipping into last issue i was trying to pull up to double check but yeah like
0: no this
2: was it because that's like the injustice injustice league dark part
1: sure sure uh i i thought that that was really really interesting um both um as a concept and visually um and man just uh, the the art in this book is incredible I know we talk about that anytime we bring up uh, Martinez Bueno but it, it looks so good every time you know he sp- specifically is great. yeah the the stuff in the Parliament of Flowers um, that kind of final page or that final like s- spread where um, like Diana's kind of, yeah like tying it tapping into the EclipsO diamond and it's, there's that, um, you know, energy or whatever that is. It's kind of like going around her and framing her and, and Eclipso this like really weird, creepy version of Eclipso that I don't don't think we've ever seen him really portrayed that way is kind of slinking around the, the frame of the panels that are being made. It's, it's so good. Um, I, yeah, I I'm kind of sad that I've slept on this book a little bit.
2: Well, I in our defense, I will go to my grave believing that there was something of a play for time with this book
3: mm-hmm.
2: because it fe- it really feels like there were a few issues in there where they lost the momentum of where they were they were going, and now they're now they're back, and they've been back for a couple issues. Um and I, I almost feel like that was intentionally dragging things out because of where other books in the DCU were. Mm-hmm. I'll never be able to prove it, but you'll never convince me otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Because it is it is really good again. You know, it's it's it captures the the feel that the book launched with. And uh that I feel was missing or or obfuscated a little bit by backstory and overly wordy aspects that that just really felt like a play for time for to me Mm. i can't say that about this issue this issue is packed with good stuff the eclipso diamond you guys we're we're that's like a dc nip thing right (laughs) Oh, absolutely. We've talked, about,
1: we've talked yeah, about that before. And you know, like interestingly, I was just it's interesting that this is showing up here because just the other day I was thinking about Justice League versus Suicide Squad. Oh yeah. Um and how that kind of did or did not play into the rebirth narrative. Um but that did feature Eclipso. Mm-hmm. And was written by Williamson, who is kind of in this Justice League, um, you know, writer's room. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I think that it's going to tie in at all. I just think it's an interesting coincidence. I have just I was thinking back on that period of, of rebirth recently and how uh, nothing has really come of it.
0: Mm <laughs> hmm. And so I want to talk about a couple of things here that I, I really like. First of all, th- this was in last issue. There was a great bit in last issue about Kent Nelson basically saying, "I'm not going to be Doctor Fate again. I will help you, me and Khalid will figure this out, but we're not going to be Doctor Fate again." And I like that they have these like matching costumes now, mm-hmm. and that they're not Dr. Fate, but they are something, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm glad to see them sticking around. I really like the how the book keeps expanding what we think of in terms of like DC's magic users. Like there are people like Constantine who do very sort of simple, what you think of as, as a comic book magic. Right. But then you get uh, the doctor's fate are doing something totally different. And swamp things. Magic is totally different than that. You know, it's just, it's, it's cool seeing the sort of various shades of magic that they are doing here. I also think that the book has done a really nice job in putting Wonder Woman front and center and giving her a reason to be here that's not just we need a big three character on this team. They've really gone to great lengths to show why Wonder Woman is the best leader for this team. Mm -hmm. And the book's just really really working right now. And uh, I loved the Man Bat stuff here. Um. That's a, you know, one of the that, that Martinez Bueno does so well is he can take a creepy concept and make it even creepier than you thought. Like that when he injects himself with like the super serum, that creature he becomes that has like 50 eyeballs and 10 mouths and all those layers of teeth like he's a conehead, it's uh it's great. It's gruesome. Yeah.
1: Uh, you almost wonder how he comes back from that. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, I agree.
0: Yeah, this is good. Uh it's interesting. So far we talked about four books and I think all of us have had stronger good opinions on them than we thought we'd have. <laughs> Whether it's like Kodransky's art or the infected stuff or Harleen or uh yeah, or this. So Yeah. And then Shazam had to come along. And, and... then Shazam had to come along. Oh, but I
1: actually kind of liked
0: Shazam a little bit. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Shazam number seven, written by Jeff Johns, illustrated by Dale Eaglesham and Scott Collins. Zach, defend this book.
1: I mean, Eaglesham's art is very good. It always has been good. It has always been good, but it's very good here. Um... I thought that the opening stuff with the Wozenland uh, was a lot of fun. This kind of weird Alice in Wonderland, uh, Wizard of Oz mashup. Um, I I thought that stuff was a lot of fun. I love the stuff in the Wildland with Takitani and um, Darla and Freddy. I thought that stuff was fantastic. Um, yeah, no, I I liked this issue um and i thought that the little stinger the little teaser at the end was very interesting best
2: part best that's the best part of this issue
1: obviously yeah
2: that was the only part that made me go "Ooh."
1: yeah i'm on that i don't know i i liked this i thought that this was uh par for the course for a a, you know already fairly enjoyable if not extremely late series uh (laughs) This yeah. is the last issue I checked came out almost four months ago.
2: This is this is just falling into my same, like... The, this arc has been seven issues long now, and it's not over, and, and uh, I just don't think stories should be this long. I just don't like it when stories are this long. There's, I mean, p- parts of it are fine and okay, but I feel like... Uh, Okay, I get the point now. Let's 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 make let's do something different. I don't know. This is this is quickly becoming like okay. I'm reading too many comics on a week to week basis to be reading this anymore.
0: Um, I mean the good news for you is it comes comes out so infrequently you don't yeah, talk about it right. too much,
2: right? But the Shazam meets Captain Marvel thing is really interesting because that got my mind going. Now, is this going to be Captain Marvel from a different oh, Earth?
1: From guys, like the guys. Earth? What? His or is dad. his dad? Yeah, his dad. Yeah. His yep. dad is Captain Marvel from the Kingdom Come universe.
2: Ooh. Ooh. See that that. I I picture that Patrick
0: Bateman gif right now. You say that. (laughs) That is exactly the face I'm making. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: just us talking about that is more interesting than anything else that happens in this issue.
0: So here's here's my issue with this, and, and it's an issue that comes with a bit of context. So I just read 48 issues of The Power of Shazam. The the mid nineties ongoing series. So
1: you're the closest thing to a Shazam authority that exists right now. I
0: believe so. Yes. Yeah. Um, So no arc in that book, I think took more than three or four issues. Like everything was just very, very breezy and moved along, but that arc also like that, that run, everything, you know, about Shazam was referenced somewhere in that run. All the characters, uh, I mean, Takitani was literally a stuffed animal come to life. Like everything is there, and it was handled really well, and it just moved. That when you look back at the first like six or seven issues of that book, so much happens, and they establish so much of the world. My problem with this is that this is the most decompressed Jeff Johns has ever been, and nothing has happened in this arc. It's just, it's, it's just, it just keeps going. And nothing is bad. There there's no bad pages or bad story here. They're just all of this could have been condensed into three or four issues. Or even six. But we're gonna get issue eight next month and or whenever it comes out. And we're never gonna it's just it's gonna keep going. Yeah, I really don't know when we're gonna
1: get those because I like issues eight and nine got cancelled and I don't know that they've been uh, resolicited. I believe they yet.
0: were resolicited. Did they get okay. I, okay, I, let's see here. I believe Shazam number eight was it, resolicited it for yeah. uh, November twenty seventh. Mm-hmm. So, right. still like eight weeks away. Sure.
2: When can we start taking bets on John's officially being done at DC?
0: Well, we haven't seen anything about. Is it The Killing Zone? The Killing Fields?
2: The, zo- the Killing Zone. The Killing Fields. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus.
0: Uh, essentially what it is.
1: The Killing Zone has not been mentioned since it was originally introduced, I don't think. And aside from a few pieces of artwork, we don't know of anything about the three Jokers either.
0: Yeah. So Doomsday Clock ostensibly is over in December, but I'll believe that when I see it. But sure. when Doomsday Clock Twelve comes out, I do think he'll get to do the three jokers. Yeah. And I think he'll bring Shazam to number twelve. And then that'll be it. And that's it, huh?
1: Okay. Do you think the book will go away or someone else will pick it up?
0: I don't know. That's a really interesting question. They'll they'll relaunch it.
2: No. Ah I don't know what I think.
0: I could see it being, like, a terrific situation, you know? Yeah. I could also see it going away forever. Not forever, but for a very long time.
2: Well, because there's going to be a Shazam sequel movie, so...
0: You would think, yeah. So I I could see
1: them keep it going, but... I mean, they could cancel it and then relaunch it when Shazam comes out again. I just think that's a really bad model.
0: I mean, it hasn't stopped anybody before.
1: No um but I mean you know we we have ongoing Wonder Woman and, and
0: Aquaman books but those those characters have more of a history of having sure, sure
1: they do they do but I mean if they want Shazam to be a enduring figure you'd think that they would at least let him have an ongoing in between well,
0: movies. This is one of the things I've talked about in my Shazam column that I've been doing is just how there's never been any consistency with the character. The 40, right. 47 issues, I think it was, of The Powers of Shazam is the longest ongoing he's ever had by a long shot. Like, that's that's mm-hmm. it. That's the longest. And yet, every major DC event he's front and center for, they recognize that he's a an integral part of this universe, but they don't want to write books about him.
1: Uh-huh. Which it, which just feels like a, a choice, though, at this point, because they need to get someone who will create new content for him. Because it definitely seems like... I mean, Johns is kind of doing that a little bit here with these seven Magic Lands, but he's still falling on the same old, you know, Mr. Mind, Savannah, Black Adam he's fallen on all the same tropes. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like what the character really needs, if he is going to, you know, be able to carry an ongoing and be like a, a lasting figurehead for DC, which he like definitely can be, is just someone to come in and, and breathe in some new concepts some fresh air.
0: I mean, I think that the giving the siblings, the powers of Shazam is that thing. Like, that's the first real change. And mm-hmm. there that's that's the first real lasting change. There are lots of little changes that happened over the years with the Shazam origin. But that's the last like real change ever, essentially. You know, from, that's true. Yeah. from the forties, that's that's the biggest thing. And I think that John's obviously like that that concept works and the film worked really, really well. So I think you're gonna see that stuff stick around. And I think that the good thing about the movie is that the movie just did Savannah. Like you had Mr. Mind basically, you know, a cameo for Mr. Mind in the movie, but no black Adam, no Mr. Mind, you know, you can do that. That's two more movies worth of non-repeating solid villains. Right.
1: But again, like, I guess what I'm getting at is you are recycling the same concepts for like the last 40 years And maybe one of the reasons we have so few runs is because all anyone ever does is recycle the same concepts. Well,
0: I'll push back against that. I'm not disagreeing, but I'll add one wrinkle to it that sort of pushes back against that. The reason we don't have have more stuff is because there haven't been long runs. When you're launching a book for a character, you launch it with the biggest villain you have. Well, yeah, but... When you're only doing eight or ten issues of a book you're constantly rebooting it and you're constantly rebooting those, those villains. Cause you don't have enough time to develop new ones.
1: Yes. But like also, I mean, in the course of that, like 40 issue run, did it introduce anything that was, you know, really new or drastically different compared to like the, the faucet era? Yes. Stuff? Well, it so did.
0: one of the cool things that it did was it, Fawcett's much in the way that Opal City is a character in Starman. Uh, uh-huh. Fawcett City is very much a character in this book, and so they they bring back a lot of the Fawcett um, heroes that were like Spy Smasher and Bullet Man and all that. But they also bring in some of the children of those characters, and okay. there That's were a cool. lot. There were a lot of really good console. I can't get over how great that run is. Actually, um, <laughs> there's a lot of really interesting stuff they do there. And they give Mary and Freddie a lot of stuff to do on their own as well, especially Freddie. There's like maybe six issues over the course of the run that are Freddy solo issues that are really good. And uh, my fear with the six kids is that you're never going to get enough focus. You're never going to get as much like good Freddie stuff or good Darla sure. stuff because you're always balancing the six kids.
1: Well, and think about it like this too. I think – This has been a problem with a lot of john's work over the last uh 10 years where um you know look at at, look at the work he did with flash starting with the like pre-flashpoint series it went for 12 issues didn't do much just went to set up flashpoint then at the same time you had brightest day going on which was revamping aquaman and and introduced some new wrinkles to aquaman then we get the Aquaman New 52 story that just was kind of very decompressed, squandered a lot of that, you know, took out Jackson, uh, um, introduced the trench, but really didn't do much outside of that. Then you've got Shazam, you know, he introduces Shazam and in the Justice League backups, introduces the, the sibling concept, and then we don't see them again for another five years, right. six years, um, even though Shazam was in the Justice League that entire time. Um, And, you know, now we've got, like, the Dark Shazam thing going on over in Batman Superman. And not to say that we, like, won't see those Shazam kids, but that's a, like, great opportunity to, like, bring them into something. You know, I I don't know that we've ever actually seen them outside of a Shazam book. Even though they've existed since, like, 2012.
0: Yeah, I think you're right about that.
1: Um And we've seen sideways in action comics. So, (laughs) you know, like, it's just like, it's like DC is like actively making a choice to not integrate the character. I wonder how much of that is that
0: Johns wants it to himself. Maybe,
1: maybe you're right. Yeah. And I, you're probably right. I think a lot of this, the, like, you know, those things that I just kind of like went through are all ultimately fall just like, Wasted opportunities of Johns himself because he kind of overextends himself. And it's like or-
0: I just today for the column read the Day of Vengeance event, uh-huh. which is from ninety eight or ninety nine. It's when Hal Jordan becomes the 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 specter. Specter. Yeah, there. yeah. And Johns wrote it, and it's so good, and it reminded me what Johns could do before it, he was this. Right. And it really depressed me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But huh. I do think it is wild that we're at the end of Jeff Johns at DC, though, and I think it's, I think it's hard to argue we're not. Yeah, yeah. Here's the real question: Does he go to Marvel? I don't. I think he just wants to do TV and
1: I think he's going to like fall down into that TV black hole. And yeah, that's what it feels like.
2: I agree.
0: All right. Well that does it for today. Um, And on a downer note. Yeah. uh, Anyone have the list up for next week? I got it. Uh,
2: No, it's having trouble loading. That comic list
0: is hang on. Well, I have it up, so... You have it, okay. Uh, all right, so we got um, Batman, number 80. Just five more after that, guys. Uh, <laughs> Deceased, number five. Deathstroke, 48. Just two more after that. Poor one out for Deathstroke. Um, Doom Patrol, Weight of the Worlds, number four. Doomsday Clock, volume oh. one, hardcover. I know you're up of that. Um, <laughs> the Dreaming, 14. The Flash Giant, number one. The final issue of The Green Lantern. Um, mm. Harley Quinn, 66. Justice League, 33. Legion of Superheroes, Millennium, number two. Lois Lane, four. Young Justice, nine. And finally, last but not least, a book we promised we'd talk about, so let's talk about it. Batman, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number th- three, number six. Oh, man. Okay. So for our right. Kyle Jeremy, we have to review that book next week. The official prologue
1: to James Tynion the fourth and Tony S. Daniels' Batman run.
0: <laughs> uh, well, yeah. until then, you can find uh, two thirds of us on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs And I am at Wilker Fox. If you need to find Vince, he is, uh, and this is a joke that won't make sense until the end of the episode which you haven't heard yet, but we've already recorded because we're we're crazy people. Uh, if you can find Vince, you can find him uh, singing along to Impossible Soul over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again. Yeah, baby. And uh, now, stay tuned for two hours of Sufjan Stevens talk! <laughs> Bye! Hello! We're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily.
1: I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster,
0: A Silent Voice,
1: and Pokemon Adventures.
0: We also look back on the past month's installments
3: of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note.
1: At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com,
0: Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. It's the same outside, except we're talking about Stephen Stevens. Um, (laughs) We've been teasing this for a while. We're getting it in. Uh, We we said we would do this in September. Technically, this is coming out in October, but we're recording it in September, so don't come at us. We're like freaking Doomsday Clock. It's the it's the stepion
1: Shajik Stevens double feature spectacular.
0: Yes, it is this is our this is our hard to pronounce first names uh, special. So um, some ground rules before we start uh, we're all gonna be friends after this no matter how bad <laughs> any of our opinions may be to the others. <clears throat> um, uh, we are only going to be ranking the seven studio, full-length records released by Sufjan Stevens. So that means A sun Came, Enjoy Your Rabbit, Michigan, Seven Swans, Illinois, The Age of Odds, and Carrie and Lowell. Lowell. Um, and we're going to do this in our traditional list fashion, where if somebody lists something before the others, we'll just say we'll get to that later, and we'll talk about it at its highest ranking point. Uh, Zach has me very worried about one of these conversations based on something he <laughs> said earlier. <laughs> but we shall see. Uh, but speaking of the good boy of the DC Three cast, Zach, why don't you give us your seventh ranked Sufjan Stevens record?
1: All right, my seventh ranked Sufjan Stevens record is "Enjoy Your Rabbit."
0: Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's that was a gimme. Right. That was a gimme. Yeah,
0: yeah. When I mean, it's an instrumental. This, yeah before this, when was the last time you guys pulled out your enjoy your rabbit to listen to it?
1: Literally, I don't know that I'd ever listened to it all the way through before preparing for this podcast.
2: Um, probably ten ten
0: years ago. I own this. I own a physical copy of this. Nice vinyl uh, CD. No CD. This was uh, I bought it. I guess when I bought the first, so I I became a Sufjan fan right when Seven Swans came out. And I loved that in Michigan so much. I bought the first two like instantly because I wanted to hear more of those type of songs, and were rudely surprised by <laughs> the contents of these two records. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is not unpleasant music. No, 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 no. It's I I would say it's nigh
2: impossible. And and okay, so I'm usually one to sit down and listen to a whole album. Yes, like if I if I really like an album, I listen to it all the way through. Generally, I find this extremely hard. I first of all, I think it's his longest album actually.
0: Uh, it's uh, 79 minutes, so it's probably yeah. close, if not the longest. It's, yeah,
2: yeah,
0: um, yeah, it's up there, um, so
2: it's it's nigh impossible to do in one sitting. But I'll say, like, in preparation for the show, I would listen to like three or four songs at a time, and that that was a really nice way to digest it it still ends up on the bottom just because of what it is and I I like electronic Sufjan but the whole album is that and pretty minimalist it's just not it's it's funny to talk about it even in comparison to the other six studio albums of his because it almost feels like one of his various side projects sure than anything
1: yes it definitely does and like I mean Maybe it's just I am not I feel like it would take a lot for me to even find this to be memorable. You know what I mean? Like to be able to be like, oh man, year of the tiger. That's it. You know? Like it would take a lot of engagement on my part.
0: Um, I I think part of part of the thing about Sufjan's longer records. Are that there are a lot of instrumental, either like instrumental songs or long instrumental passages. But it's uh, easy to identify them because they're between two other things. Yes. Whereas this is just it's just a wall of instrumental electronic stuff that doesn't always have like a melody on top of mm-hmm. it. A lot of it's just very atmospheric, which again is lovely, but just isn't what I want from Sufyan, Right.
2: Yeah, so I find it hard to even recommend like a song from this, or you know, I would just say if anyone wants to check it out, you just like grab any track; it's all pretty representative of of the whole of it. I, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right, um, Vince, what's your number six?
2: My number six is a sun came.
0: My number six is the Sun King. We'll talk about that later.
2: Holy <laughs> crap.
0: Zach, I'm almost afraid to ask. What's your number six? <laughs>
1: oh, my number six is Michigan.
0: <sighs> Fuck you.
1: Uh... <laughs> Fuck you.
0: Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I've been hacking my lungs out all day, Zach. You make me kill myself <laughs> over here. Jesus. Michigan?
1: Yeah, man. I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we, we can talk about it later. Uh, Zach,
2: I'm I'm willing to say you are the only person on the planet that has Michigan behind a Sun came.
0: I, I mean, you want me to talk, talk about why or okay. can we wait until you guys talk about it? We should wait until well, we t- we should wait until it's higher. Uh, where What uh, it says, uh, proper place on one of our lists. Um, <laughs> fuck me, man. Uh, <laughs> I mean, at least give me a chance to defend hey, myself
1: before you crucify me. Gosh. Well, well hang on. Bri- Brian, I don't want Brian to tip his hand
2: at all, but we know that Michigan was one of the ones that was fighting for number one on his list. So you're really, you're treading some uh, pretty wild ground here, Zach.
0: It said it was gonna well, I, I told you second, i told you here's my question for you is a sun came your number five yeah it is so let's talk about why you think a sun came is good let's leave the michigan part or why it's better well, than Michigan. just go go there okay. why it's better well okay i'll just say when i was
1: re-listening all of these albums I, I was listening through them on spotify and i would heart songs that either like i knew i liked or that stood out to me as ones like, yes, I I enjoy this song. This song is memorable to me. This song means something to me. I only starred two songs on Michigan.
0: Fucking hell, man.
1: And, and uh, can you can you guess what the two songs are?
0: No, because there's fifteen beautiful songs in that album. The auto <laughs> well, love and they're... respect.
1: <laughs> no, there are two songs and then the the the, the I I find I found at least the latter half of the album to be mostly
2: the better beautiful? part of the
1: album. No.
2: <laughs> the oh my God.
1: Ah. I just don't, I just, I have never cared much for Michigan and like this most recent listen through like, well, the state sucks, but well, I'm, I've <laughs> I'm never, the album has Michiganders never, out there. The album has never grabbed me, or I, I've never had like a strong affiliation with it or a strong
0: association with it. Right. And this I, time, I, I guess? Just, can I guess your two songs? Sure, sure. Is one of them Romulus? No. Come oh, on.
2: you're wrong, Zach.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, is, no, it wasn't okay. Romulus. Is uh, the Upper Peninsula? Uh, no. Flint. Flint is one. And is All Good Naysayers the second? No. The Widows in Paradise? It's Widows in Paradise, yes.
2: I, I don't understand. I don't understand. Like, if okay, I, if I...
1: okay, okay, okay. I feel like I should say something here now. This is my other thing that is the hot thing in addition to. In preparation for this... I kind of realized that I maybe just like don't like Sufian as a whole as much as I used to. Oh. Like I still well, love can we call it here? I still we... no no, so like I just and I not said we just we're all gonna Sufian be friends, but I don't know, man. Not just not just not just like I like my taste has like moved away from kind of just, like, quiet, folky, somber. Mm -mm. Like, I'm just not as interested in that anymore as I was, like, ten years ago.
0: Okay, I I will give you that, that I can understand. And and in a lot of ways, I am in a similar boat. But I don't think that that means... I just think this I is such have... a better record than some of the other records. Like, and, and so I, I have a very hard time not matter
1: on this. That's fine. We'll get to it later. I mean, I like every album that I'm putting above Michigan better than Michigan. I All would right, so, listen so then, to any of them before I would listen to Michigan. So, so then,
0: talk about a sun came.
1: But so that's you what, guys, supposed to be doing. what are what are y'all? What are your sixes? A sun, a sun, a sun, a sun, a sun came. came. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So, um, I had actually like like enjoy your rabbit not really listen to a sun came that much either um but i was actually really surprised by how much i enjoyed it i didn't realize like how much of the kind of like style that would define age of odds and all the lighted people kind of was present there on a sun came that really surprised me I don't like all of a sun came. In fact, actually, I made a playlist called "A Sun Came But Good" <laughs> uh, on Spotify, and well, I send me that, that sometime. Okay, I will. I will. Wait,
2: wait. Uh, does it does it have a uh, super sexy woman on it?
1: Um, I don't know if I actually put super sexy woman on it because super sexy woman is, that's actually the only song that I had any oh, kind well. of like association with before. Like that was one of the first Sufjan songs I think I ever heard. It was like very early on. You live a wild life, my friend. <laughs> I know, I know. Um it's like one of, it was like when I was first getting into Sufjan, it was it was like listen to some Illinois and then like the person who was introducing them to me were like, "Oh, listen to
0: this song. It's so weird." Um, so you
2: thought he was more like ween <laughs> by
0: that point. Hey, that's an no, insult no. to ween. Take it back, <laughs> motherfucker. Um I, 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 am, I am hot I am hot <laughs> and bothered right now
1: But but yeah I mean I think it's because like A Sun Came Is like sonically a more interesting Album to me It's cool that it has kind of like the Prototypical sounds that would go on To form I won't tip my hand all the way but one of My favorite Sufjan albums Of all time um, So yeah that's why it beat Michigan
2: yeah. Um, I I feel a little bit the same as as you did, uh, Zach. In that, like, re- I never held a Sun came in very much regard, and I still kind of don't as an overall work. But I was surprised at how many individual songs I could pick out that, some of which I feel are just as good as anything he's ever written, and other ones that just are so. Um, they're such kernels of what would come later that it kind of shocked me a little. Yeah. Uh, a winner needs a wand, which is the second track on this. That's one of my favorite Sufjan songs now, just it's because good. of the, Yeah, just because of this project. Returning to that, I like to me that is one of his best songs. I'd probably put that in his top twenty songs somewhere.
0: Well, let me say this. I I think that this album sounds a lot like a sketchbook for an artist. Like, you can see lots of different things that he was thinking about maybe doing. Mm. And certain ones he pursued more than others. And certain ones he obviously didn't go in that direction. And it also sounds to me very much like a young man's record. Yes. Um. Whereas like Carrie and Lowell is the most mature thing anyone's ever recorded, <laughs> and yeah, in a yeah. lot of ways, and this is just like the most immature thing anyone's ever recorded. Like there's, there's you know there's like the the pitch shifted vocals and parts and just you know it's it's a pretty silly album in, in places.
2: Yeah, the weird. So like an example of this would be like the weird sketches that he do, does does yeah. in here. Mm-hmm. Um, the God like Godzuki. Um, I think. That there's an, there's an element of that in that like in future albums he would do songs that are almost sketches but they weren't like there's not spoken word stuff in his later albums there's not silly there's not too much silly jokey stuff but there are songs that are more sketches like I'm thinking of the back half of Illinois has some songs that feel more like sketches than they do actual songs or even right, just things like one sure. last
0: woohoo for the Pullman. Yeah, that that is, you know, a a short reprise from Mary Todd who went insane, but for very good reasons. Like those those little like interstitial pieces on future records. Yeah.
2: But nothing like like belly button or like Godzuki. Uh, And then and then musically, I don't think he's ever done anything like super sexy woman again. Well, I shouldn't say that as Sufjan Stevens, he's never done anything like super sexy woman again. He has branched off in some of his side projects like Sisyphus mm-hmm. in into some of that, like, uh, slurpier R&B-ish <laughs> type stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. But, th- but that song is, is so unique to this album. And I, I think it's a fun song. I don't mind listening to it every once in a while, but I never need to hear a song like that on a Sufjan album again, you know?
3: Agreed, <laughs> yes. Plus...
2: It is DC Comics related, so so uh, Jer- so Jeremy, we are not committing any sort of crime here. <laughs> you think Jeremy is yeah, listening? Yeah. No, he's but, not listening at all.
1: But all, but e- not even his best Superman-related songs. Oh, so. not at all. No, not, not, not at not, all. Not, not by
0: we'll, a long shot. We'll talk about that later. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about that later for sure. Um,
0: I don't know, Zach. Maybe you're. Maybe you've <laughs> written the list. We'll talk it, about.
1: Uh... We'll talk about my pilgrimage.
2: <laughs> oh Christ.
0: Oh, that's right.
2: Oh, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, okay. Good.
0: All right, Vince, let's get back to the land of the the sanity here. Uh, What's your number five? I made a good point.
1: (laughs) I don't know what to say.
0: (laughs) My number five is Seven Swans. Uh, We'll talk about that later. We'll
1: talk about that later.
0: Um, Get your pitchforks out. My number five is The Age of Odds. Uh, you You know what
1: i'm not i am not (laughs) fucking around times 11 11. Um, (laughs) you can just get out now you know like
2: (laughs) well we're definitely talking about that later
0: yeah Yeah, we're talking about it later okay I, i will still say Having Age of Odds 5 is not as insulting as having Michigan No, 6. it is.
1: It's like 1,000% worse. Yeah, it's damn close. Kids, I
0: know we're going to talk about it later. Can I just talk about why it's there for me? I don't really care, honestly. <laughs> I let you do it for Michigan. <laughs> I'm fine. You lanky motherfucker. Come on. <laughs> um oh, okay. oh. This is go ahead and
1: intense. talk about how you 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 were senile when it came out and
3: shit, man. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> i'm
0: hopped up on dayquil over here and i'm uh, i'm not swinging uh no okay so my um I just don't think these songs are that good. <laughs> I'm, wow. kidding. I'm kidding. Totally kidding. Wow. Totally, kidding. Wow. totally kidding. I just I just wanted to pull a Zach and do the most insulting thing I could imagine. Um oh. I got you guys there for a second though. You was, were, yeah, it, we were you were so
2: really nice did. in the Pornos thing and this is
0: Yeah. This um, is bloodbath. No, okay. I, I um I actually think the songs in this album are quite good. I just think his songs work better in a more stripped-down format. When I listen to this album, half of the time my brain is saying, I really wish that there was 30% less stuff on this. It just seems very, you know, very dense. And um, and I think that some music really benefits from that. I don't think his necessarily does. I think his music, when it breathes more, is more effective, in part because I think his songs, his lyrical content is so important that having the sonic space around it to to hear the vocals interplay with everything else is really important, whereas this feels more like the vocals are placed on top of something. It's not living in the same space. Does that make sense? You may not agree with it, but does that make sense? It, it does, but there's... Specifically about the vocals, there's a thing I'll talk
1: about when I get to this album. Um, mm. um, so I... Go ahead. I I get where
2: you're, I get where you're coming from Brian. I I you'll find out I totally disagree but uh Right. but I I also think that knowing you the way that I know you like
1: intimately. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yep. Um in an album like this could be full of like the most amazing myr- lyrical content ever and and because there's all these weird electronic flourishes and things. I just think you're you're going to be programmed to not like it as much.
0: I, 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 on take those a str- I take a strong disagreement with that. I mean, I have Ugh. lots. I have lots of like hour long ambient moog synthesizer records I listen to all the time. Like I am not opposed to electronic music or weird music at all, at all. I just think for him it doesn't work as well.
2: Okay. Yeah. Uh...
0: I, mean, I listen okay, to instrumental right. music I would say arguably more than I listen to music with vocals like in my day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like if I don't know. Yeah,
2: I'm I'm talking more about the combination of I guess I guess I am kind of agreeing with you. I maybe didn't just I maybe expressed it incorrectly, but like cuz what you're describing is is ambient electronic music or or, or electronic music that relies less on lyrics whereas uh, the, some of these songs are incredible we'll talk about them when we when we talk more about this album but i i i think i i think for you then that gets in the way of i don't know i don't want to i don't want to put words in your mouth but yeah you're right yeah i f- yeah i can see where you for 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 Sufyan that style doesn't work for you
0: as much yeah and and, and i'll say I'll, I'll say that for one that for, there's there's another album that i'm going to talk about in relation to that idea in a minute but we'll get to that in okay a minute, so all right so zach what is your number four my number four is carrie and lowell
2: oh we'll talk about that we'll later talk about
0: that later vince is your number four
2: okay. my number four is michigan
0: we'll talk about that later uh <laughs> my number four is illinois we'll talk, we'll talk about, about that, that later. later this is the point though where i said any of these albums on a good day could jump one or two spots
2: yeah uh, yeah
0: for me mm-hmm all right, so uh, what is your number three, Zach? My number three is Seven Swans. We'll talk about that later. Uh, oh, man. Vince, what's it's your number wild. three?
2: My number three is Illinois.
0: All right. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Uh, my number three is Carrie and Lowell.
1: We'll talk okay, about so that we'll later. talk about
0: that. No, oh, my. What? How? I'm so,
1: oh, my gosh. <laughs> Okay. All right. So we're we're on num- we're on my number two we're now. We're
0: number two, which is what?
2: We really we really uh, jacked this up, by the way.
0: The fact, <laughs> yeah, the, fact that we're on, the
2: fact that we're on number two and we haven't talked about
0: <laughs> any of them, no, but, but, but it shows that all of us have really different taste in these records, which is cool. Yeah. Yes. And how, str- and how strong this is, because
2: literally the five, you know, aside from "Enjoy Your Rabbit" and "The Sun Came," the 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 la- the latest five
1: are just bunched up at the a- top. For except me. for Zach's.
2: Except for Zach, because he's a weirdo.
1: But What do you mean? No, I would say my top four are bunched up at the top.
2: Yeah, which is wrong. So
1: <laughs> I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> just kidding, buddy. All right, what are we talking? Who's going?
0: Who's number two? Zach's number two is up. My number, n- two. my number two is Illinois. All right, let's talk about that thing, because that's Vince. It is this that- time. That was my three. Okay, that's what I thought, yeah. Okay, so we'll talk about Illinois, Sack. What What was... Where was Illinois for you, Brian? Uh, number four, but it could have easily been three. Okay, okay. Um, so, it, Illinois was my
1: first Sufjan album. It is... ...extremely formative for me and, like, my music taste in general. I think the first half of the album is absolutely fantastic. I think after you get past man of metropolis, it gets, it's just a little extra. Like mm-hmm. once you get to that part of the album, I think the Sears tower is my only other standout, honestly. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but like up until man of metropolis, like man, every single one, like
2: bangers. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah.
1: Consider the UFO is such a good opener. Come on, Phil, the Illinois is, like, I mean, it's just, it, it is like oh, his, yeah. I mean, I guess you could argue, like, Chicago is his Bleeding Heart show, but I would almost say that, no, like, Chicago Phil, the Illinois, okay, okay, fine. Um, well,
2: let's not go that far.
0: It, it's Yeah, fine. I think that's a little strong. <laughs> I, I actually, mean, it's... I have, so I have a very good friend from Chicago who hates that song, because uh-huh. he says that, Sufjan wrote a song about his hometown, and it's all about driving to New York. It's <laughs> not about <laughs> Chicago. And I, well, so I okay,
1: <laughs> okay. Um, like, John Wayne Gacy Jr., like...
0: Yeah. Maybe the best Sufjan song. I mean... Oh, th- yeah. That,
1: that ending is the biggest gut punch in yep. music. It's wild. I mean, just... I just can't, there's nothing else like that song. It's so, I I can't imagine a human being writing it, honestly, you know, it's just like so weird. It's
2: like it was written by the goddamn Joker.
1: It really is. Oh, man. The Joker's trick Um, is making
0: me cry every time.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, But then there's just like fun stuff like Decatur and Casimir Pulaski Day.
0: Casimir Pulaski Day is maybe the saddest song of all time. Oh, Even yes, sadder than John yeah. Jr. <laughs> he Jr. Uh, uh.
2: That that song, when I first heard it, I will never forget. I was in college. I was sobbing by the end of it. Uh, saw him play that song at uh, the, Eau Claire Fe- the inaugural Eau Claire Festival. And the most fun moment was he forgot which day of the week, because there's several times that he says like a day of the week uh-huh. in it, yeah. you know. He forgot which day of the week he was supposed to be on and the entire crowd like yelled it at him <laughs> and, the, and then he picked it up from there.
1: Yeah. When, when I, when I meant fun, I just meant like, in it's in it's like arrangement and it's like sound, not necessarily in subject matter. It I, I, I because it is like a very, it's a very heavy album obviously, but it's also just so like, I feel like of his albums of this style, this is the quirkiest by a long shot and that's kind of why it's the lowest on my list of these albums Uh, interesting see I think we're like just calling out the things. I mean uh, highlighting the things that we value more Um, but also so um, after uh, so this album also coincided with like probably the height of my kind of like newfound Superman fandom (laughs) when I was like late high school, early college. And, um, the man of Metropolis inspired me to, uh, for me and Maddie to go to Metropolis, Illinois and go see the Superman statue and go to the Superman museum. I'm so jealous you've been there. I've been there twice. Um, and like have you been to put up
0: the Lois Lane statue?
1: I haven't, no. Okay. The last so I guess the last time I went was in twenty eleven, I think. So I haven't been in a long time. Um, but it's just such a like it, it's like a very special memory for me and I it it means a lot. And so this album will just like always have a you know it'll have like a special special place for me. Um so but, um sorry, go ahead, Zach.
0: Oh, no. What Here, I was going to say ahead. about that song in particular, um, the last time I saw Sufjan was on the tour for this album. Uh, that's not <laughs> true. I, I was at a... Um, the Roots do a Christmas concert every year, and I was at it one year, and Sufjan came out and did a few songs with The Roots. Not counting that. Last time I saw him was this one. I saw him at a place called Town Hall in New York City, which, if any of you have seen A Mighty Wind, that is where the, <laughs> the final concert in A Mighty Wind takes place. It's just like this very beautiful, like old-school theater. Um and during that song, Sufjan had people running all through, like, the upper level of it, throwing out inflatable Superman. Um, oh, That's awesome. Uh, and it was it was incredible. It was a very, very cool thing. And uh, yeah. I, I will always remember that moment uh, from that show. Yeah.
1: I mean, I love that, like, Superman was initially on the cover. I love the fact that, like, here the CD more recently. The that, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I like that they did the re- release with Blue Marvel on yeah. it. <laughs> Which is just so wild and funny to me um, yeah no this this album it's very very good and it means a lot to me
0: Vince go off about it
1: buddy
2: yeah uh same as Zach I it was my first it was my first souf <laughs> um I think uh, the song Chicago like yeah it's it's cliche at this point. It's like the the cliche indie anthem of all time, right? Um, it's been in freaking movie trailers and things like that. Every, you know, even if you're not familiar with indie music, you've probably heard it. Even if you think you haven't, um, but it's a good song. Like, it's just good. It's 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 an anthem, and it deserves its place. It's not anywhere near my favorite Sufyan. You know how that like when you really like an artist, their most popular songs are usually not your favorite. (laughs) Sure. That's what's going on here, you know, but, but it's still good. It's still a banger. And when he plays it live, like it's an event for most of the people there that it's, it's really special to see it with a crowd, you know, um, the, we already talked about John Wayne Gacy Jr. The one thing I want to mention about uh, Casimir Pulaski day yet is that I think the final line of that is maybe not as quite as chilling as uh, as the John Wayne Gacy one, but close, right?
0: Like it's highly
2: emotional, and he, and he takes and he takes and he takes, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty strong. Yeah, I mean, this thing is a banger for me until track thirteen, "Prairie Fire" that wanders about. So basically the same place as Zach said. And then after that, it kind of falls off. There's a little bit more. It's more. um, There's there's some little interstitial instrumental stuff. um, Not as memorable. Like I can't. The track names are all pretty long on this album for the most part. I'm going to talk about about that in a minute they really stack up at the end. And like, and because of that, and because of just the, the, the less memorable, the lack of variety towards the end, it's, it's harder to remember what song is which. And I've, I've listened to this album like a hundred times and I still can't tell you, uh, just by name, which is not, I mean, it doesn't change the first 13 songs is like some of my favorite sequencing in, in all of music. Um, and uh, and yeah, Man of Metropolis is just such a. That's that's like an anthem too. That's that's like an indie anthem that never was, you know. But it's it's so good.
0: Ah oh, man. So the reason that this was the the bottom tier of my top four, uh, although like I said, it could be number three on some days, is I just feel this is. This is Sufjan Stevens comically parodying himself on this album. Like everything he does, he does twice as much as he should on this album. The long song titles are—they're so long you can't even read them on Spotify. Like they're just—they're just way too long, and um, there's too much bullshit between the songs. Even I have come to really like the way the album begins. But the fact that it takes you almost five minutes to get to the beginning of Come On, Fill the Illinois, which really is the first, like, true song on the album. Like, concerning the UFO sighting, mm. it's, like a, it's like an interlude. It's like an, it's like an intro to the album.
2: You know? It's so good, though. But
0: it's still really oh, it good, is, though. But, but, like, I just feel like um, I, I always say that I would be a terrible record producer because I would have told Elton John to get to the fucking chorus in Tiny Dancer because it takes so long to get to the chorus. <laughs> like, you know, just you need sometimes you just need to hit people with stuff. But then, like... The Black Hawk War, which this, the the title is so fucking long I'm not even gonna read the whole thing to you. That that's like a wasted piece of music to me. It just it's it's it just kills two minutes I, before you get to the good stuff.
1: I, I I would agree with you that it is like kind of a weird like little black hole in between. Yeah, two um, otherwise very memorable pieces of music.
0: But then there's also like there's the short reprise for Mary Todd, there's the one last woohoo. Those things are just like they're fine, but to say the first thirteen tracks are bangers, like no, because well, I mean, I, three of those yeah. are not real songs. You know, like, right? Uh, no,
2: you're you're right about that. But I, I'm talking more about the sequence. Like
1: sure, no, I, all, and all I, of that works. Yeah, yeah,
0: is what I'm is what I mean. Yeah, I, sure. I, right, agreed. Um. But I just think that like if, if he had pared this down to ten songs and I'm talking real songs, not those interstitial things, like just you pick the ten songs on this, it would have been one of the like just an undeniably classic album top to bottom. I oh, think and the, it's
2: already regarded as that. Sure. So, but but the last t- but I agree with you. I agree with you. But, but... it's just
0: it's so and look, and, and I my favorite album of all time is the White Album, which has fucking Honey Pie on it, you know. So it's not <laughs> it's it's not like I am opposed to having some weirdness on an album. I just think that this is overkill. And, and Honey the, Pie and Wild Honey Pie. Would, I love Wild Honey Pie. Don't be talking shit about that. Um <laughs> Yeah, but it's a, sure, a Jack Off yes. song. Yes, it is, it is a Jack Off song. Uh but like, you know, the fact that from track 14 to 22 there is only one song that has less than five or six words in the title, like, and they're all unnecessary titles. There is no reason for this last song on the album to be called "Out of Egypt into the Great Laugh of man- Laugh of Mankind." And I shake the dirt from my sandals as I run. It's just, it, it's just, it's to me, this is just like a very, um, it's Sufjan turned to eleven in a lot of ways. It's mm-hmm. in some ways, it's the, it's the tweest he ever gets. It's the most bombastic he ever gets. It's the silliest he ever gets. It's the saddest he ever gets. It's everything to the extreme, and uh, there's a place for that, but I just think that it's overstuffed to the to the gills.
1: That that out of Egypt uh, title always makes me think, though, because um, when tra- traveling, like in and out of um kentucky sometimes we would drive through a small bit of illinois cairo illinois and it was the most notorious speed trap that i've ever been in (laughs) i got pulled over probably out of the like five or six times i've driven through there i got pulled over at least like two or three of them and so i i think yes yes and i shake my shake the dirt from my sandals as I run (laughs) when going through Cairo and why Um,
0: but yeah this is also like we should probably talk about the avalanche along with this which is a record that was a a companion piece to this that was made up of alternate takes b-sides you know those sorts of things and I have to the avalanche is when I sort of was like, you know what? I'm done with Sufjan for a while. I just felt it was too much of the same thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I kind of agree. Although one interesting thing I think about a lot and and that I might try sometime is to take like those first 13 tracks of Illinois that I love so much. And then after that pepper in, I don't like a whole lot of what's on the avalanche, but there are like three or four songs that I really do like. Sure. Put those, stick those onto the end and see what happens. I've I've never done that, but I feel like that's, I feel like that's something.
0: I might even put one of the alternate Chicago's in place of Chicago. Interesting. Uh, Yeah. That's a fun, that's a fun idea. Uh, I got to tell
1: you. Go go ahead, Vince.
2: I was just going to say, I got to tell you an alternate uh, Chicago story, which is that, um, when he plays it now, it's a little bit different because he 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 adds some electronic embellishment to it uh, that's not usually there. And again, at the Eau Claire Festival when he played Chicago, he called it the before he played it he called it the dad jazz version, <laughs> and it it included like a saxophone and a bunch of weird electronic warbling and. I've seen him a few times. I've seen him play that a few times now live and it, nothing ever sounded like it sounded that time that he played it at this festival. That's interesting. <laughs> so weird. That's pretty um, cool. Zach, what were you saying?
1: Uh, I was just going to say, I've, I've never, I, I actually was going to try to for this and I didn't get around to it because I knew we were going to talk about it, but I don't, I don't think I've ever actually listened to Avalanche all the way through because You know, you mentioned this about Enjoy Your Rabbit, but, like, literally every album from, well, I guess not, I mean, Illinois, Avalanche, um, Age of Odds are all over an hour long, um, some pushing, like, an hour 15, and so it is really hard to get through all in one sitting. Um, But I have always really loved the first three songs on Avalanche. Um, I, I think those three songs are
0: very good. Yeah. I should probably go back and give it a fair listen too. It's been a while since I've listened to it. I listened to it for this, but like I was listening to it just kind of in the background cuz I knew we weren't going to talk about it too much. I probably owe it like a sit down and listen to it in headphones and, you know, just think about it as I listen.
1: Yeah, Dear Mr. Supercomputer is fun Brian because it's a it uh um homage's, I guess, interpolates the 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 all Good Children Go to Heaven from... from uh, um, yeah. Uh, you yeah. Give Me Your Money, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Adelaide Stevenson is a really, really good song. That I is think, a good song, On par yes. with, with anything on Illinois.
0: Yeah. yeah. I remember listening to this in Illinois when they came out and just thinking, like, I don't know how Stephen Stevens' brain works. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's just so much going on here, and it, it's not all... Like a lot of it is I feel like a lot of the stuff is samey in parts. Um but obviously not in his head. You know, it's so well, like track of like which song is the, you know, the slightly sure. different version of this or whatever. Yeah.
1: There are a lot of like musical flourishes which are like very similar. Like like what is it the I'm oh man, I made some notes about like what I wanted to talk about, but like um Now nah, forget it. I I know that there are like some chord progressions that show up between albums that are very similar. Uh, um, but I, I don't
0: have my notes in front of me because I'm a fool. That's okay. Um, all right. So whose number two was this? That was my number Zach. two. Vince, what's your number two?
2: My number two. Oh man, this is where. <laughs> My number two is the age of odds. That's
1: I, a perfectly acceptable place to put age of odds.
2: I know, but I, I'll get to it. When we talk about age of odds, I'll, I'll, I'll get to it. I know we're not talking about it yet.
1: Are we? No, cause we're not. Exactly we're not. No. Number
2: one. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah.
1: <laughs> so we're Brian's number two.
0: So this is the one that I, I vacillated back and forth the entire time. Um, but I decided that uh for this purpose, I think Seven Swans is my number two. Mm. Um, I think we're talking about it, aren't we? Yeah, we're talking we're, about it. Yeah, we're talking about it. So um what what makes this album so special for me is a couple of things. First of all, I had heard this in Michigan, I think the same day. Um, I had heard one of the Michigan songs went on the Asmetic Kitty Records website to buy it, saw there was this also new album, and ordered them both. And this is like, uh, I decided I wasn't going to download it. I, was, I wanted to have the physical, physical copies. I wanted to listen to them like front to back. And so Michigan is this like, it's not as bombastic as um, as Illinois is. But it's certainly like there's a lot going on on a lot of those songs, and a lot of Seven Swans is just like solo guitar and voice, or some banjo, and everything is very much quieter and and much more. Um, just I feel like introspective and and that's the wrong way to put it. It it just it just sounds more personal, I guess. It, it's very much like somebody singing songs just to you, um, and some of them are. I mean, to me, this is the best, like, uh, maybe the best side two of any Sioux Stevens record. Mm. Especially those last three. He Woke Me Up Again, Seven Swans, and The Transfiguration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's also when the album kind of blows up a little bit in terms of instrumentation. Uh, it gets a little bit more dense, but those songs are all so incredible. Um, and this is also like, you know, a- a- as somebody who... Has a lot of complicated feelings about faith at this point in his life. This is the song. This is the record that deals with his with Stevens's faith the most directly. And so, at the especially at the time when I was twenty one and a theology major in college, like there was a lot on this record for me to chew into. Uh, and the last thing I'm going to say before I pass off to you guys is, I am a, a huge, 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 huge Flannery O'Connor fan. Mm-hmm. And so A Good Man is Hard to Find was just like, you know,
3: an Brian Italian Nip.
0: chef kissed this emoji years before that was a thing. It, yeah. Great song, too. Like, yes, absolutely.
2: Just wildly good. Probably my, maybe my second or third favorite on this.
0: Okay. So you guys take it away. Talk about this for a minute. Zach, you go. Me go. Me go. Where, did, where did you have this? I had this at
1: three, but it could have been – this in Illinois were the only – ones that were kind of in contention of could go up or down for me. Okay. Uh, This could have been my two on another day. Um, I came to this later. um, And I mean, like, much like Brian...
0: Did we lose uh, sorry, we lost you for a minute There's Oh, like...
1: no. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. can you hear me now? You you, you said okay, much like good, Brian,
0: and yeah. there was a long pause.
1: Okay, much okay. like Brian. Um, and, well, I started that, and then I was going to go off on another tangent, because, uh, <laughs> not another tangent, but, like, I was going to rephrase myself. This was, like, my first exposure to, like, a piece of music or a body of music, a, a creative endeavor that, like, dealt with faith in this way um and it like came to me at a point where i was very uncomfortable with doubt and questioning faith like i was not brought up in a way where that kind of thing was acceptable or like a valid form of expression um in fact i i very i don't know this but i i feel like i probably would have approached this album with maybe like a sense of like blasphemy like viewing that in that way which song in particular
0: sense. or songs in particular?
1: i mean just like just like just like wrestling with faith and just like really talk like i wasn't like comfortable talking about god in any kind of like i mean there was some of this on on um on Illinois as well you know like especially with like Casimir Pulaski Day and and things like but just like I wasn't used to the idea of like a secular artist talking about religion if that makes sense Sure. and I didn't really know how to handle that but like it was also so I think I came to appreciate it much later um and it was very formative and like allowing me to kind of like grow in that and like learn to be comfortable with doubt and like learn to talk about things in different ways it was it was like part of a very formative time for me um and and it's also just like i think in his top three best collection of songs like um the dress looks nice on you. To be alone with you, to be alone with you my we, won't, we won't need legs to stand. He woke me up again. Seven swans. So when I saw the only time I've ever seen Sufjan live was when he was touring for Age of Odds, but he opened with Seven Swans, oh, man. and it was like insane. Um,
2: did he? Did he smash his banjo after it? The no, song? he didn't. Oh, he no, does that I now. I don't think
1: so. I don't think so. Uh, and then the Transfiguration, like those are all just such good. An amazing songs. Um,
2: I'll give it up for the opener too. All the trees, of the yeah, field will clap their hands. Yeah, that, it's if good. If I year, am alive yeah,
0: right. this time next year. Oh A god! Great, great opening me. line of the song.
2: You know how? Yeah. Oh man! When I heard that, I heard that at the wrong time. <laughs> you guys heard this at the right time. I heard it at the wrong time. <laughs> I won't. I won't go into that any further. <laughs> um, but yeah.
1: But, but yeah, like this is just a really beautiful album. And I think, whereas like, say something like compared to like Michigan, um, which is, and, and really even also Carrie and Lowell, which we'll talk about here soon, you know, definitely more on the like somber singer songwriter, very, um, stripped down approach to Sufjan that I'm just like, not as here for, um, thematically and like content wise i i come i will like always come back to this album
2: Mm-hmm. yeah so i mean even though this was my number five um i still hold it in extremely high regard um and i think the the, the problem for me is that it's not even a problem i just don't I don't connect with it as thematically as you guys do. I couldn't, you know, um, I, I come from a Catholic background, staunch Catholic background, but I am no longer practicing. I'm an atheist at this point, you know? Um, but so there's a lot of wrestling with those themes, like in my past and in my life and, and whatever, but then to hear the music, to hear the music today, I don't get as, as much out of it, although I still find it to be uh, fascinating and beautiful, but like, I just never, I don't connect with it the same way that I connect with like age of odds, which we'll talk about where I just, so much of that is like, so really personal to me too, that where this just isn't, but there's so many songs on here that are great. And we already, we already named them all. Um, and and I'm glad we returned. I'm glad we did this project because I returned to this album where I almost never listened to it, even though I regard it pretty highly with with Michigan and Illinois. I just i for some reason, I never come back to this one, and I'm glad that I did. Um, one thing that I like about it, in particular, is that even though there are all these religious trappings on there, he I, it's not, it's not like this is a very religious album, but it's not in the way that, like, when you think of like religious music, you know, it's not that.
1: It's not, not. It's, and that's kind of what I was like trying to get at earlier, I think, is just that.
0: Yeah. 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 The reason that I think that that's significant is I think that there's a difference between music that is meant to convert a non-believer or embolden a believer versus music that is simply expressing somebody's feelings about faith
2: yeah or yeah. even even like even yeah. less than just conversion like
0: this even isn't just, like even worship just
2: made music to... yeah you know like no, it's, it's not, not an
1: music no yeah it's not a gospel album i would say it's not, it's not
2: music made to please a religious person either no. you know right no. it's not
0: right I would say to be alone with you is the cl- maybe the transfiguration are the closest to praise music that's on here, and it's still miles away from that.
2: Yeah, but you know, you know how many people listen to to be alone with you and don't even realize it's right. About, yeah, you know? or people like yeah. Zach who
0: listen to it and think it's slightly homophobic.
1: I didn't think that. <laughs> I had that <laughs> idea in impressed upon me by the person by yeah, by I'm an early. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. I we, know. We
0: all know Sufjan is gay. Or sorry not homophobic uh that, that that was like inappropriately uh what was it Zach? That, that like that there was some homosexual like undertones to it or something yeah yeah
1: exactly yeah that there that there were which is like something that so, so just something that was like this particular I mean, group has that <laughs> it's just like a running theme through Sufian's work it's just like they are looking for that, which it's it's there if you want to find it. Um, I mean, anything's there if you fun. want to find it. You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, I mean, I could talk a lot about just Sufian and his faith and how he is like portrayed that in his work. On his, like, website, I don't know if either of you guys, like, ever read any of, like, the blog posts on his website, but, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. they are wild and so good. Like, especially in the time since the 2016 election, too. Yeah. Um, like, he has posted some crazy challenging stuff. Um, and... I just appreciate him a lot. <laughs>
2: yeah, he he rocks. He whips. Yeah. My my wife is a huge my fan, lives. and uh, thank you. There couldn't couldn't get through without that. Nope. Um, and yeah, she's always showing me stuff from his website or whatever. That just yeah, he's he's just such a brilliant dude. Um, and really in touch with like not only like the spiritual, but just the personal. And Brian, you asked me once how I felt about like you know being an atheist how i felt about music like this and music like Chance the Rapper you know and i'm i'm big fans of both and i the reason is because um when when they like when you when we when when my family drives through like a small town and you're flipping through the radio stations and you come across like the religious station mm-hmm. and all all the songs are just these terrible, like clearly written to be marketed to end up on this radio station um you know oh, just off,
1: what's off the crap what's the joke where it's like you could oh is this isn't a Simpsons thing, is it It's definitely like a sitcom thing where you could like you can replace Jesus with baby and it just becomes like a standard pop song, yeah I think
0: that was uh, South Park perhaps. Maybe when, when Cartman has the, uh, faith plus the religious man. boy. Band. Yeah. 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 Faith plus yes.
2: Man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> i to get on my knees and please Jesus. Exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> I want to feel his salvation all over my face. I believe is
0: how that goes. Is, is there uh, where he's uh, like, I, I look up at that cross and wonder how you got so hot.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I think like with with Sufyan and and with Chance now Chance's take on it is less challenging and and you know very much more like uh, general praise right yeah. for the most yeah the most part.
1: For, yeah
2: but even then it doesn't ever bother me or anything because first of all I'm not like I'm not somebody who gets bothered by things like that or or offended just because I don't believe that but beyond that like there's honesty right you can tell when people are faking it or when they're proselytizing or whatever right
0: yeah sure i think
2: they're both very honest in completely
0: different ways well if if i remember correctly the the reason i was asking was because uh, was it was it coloring book something had come out where there was like oh it was um what's the song on coloring book that that samples the uh the, the really famous praise song, Zach. Um, Shit, what is it? Well, wait. Oh, oh. it's uh, How Great. How Great, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, and like for me, because of a lot of reasons, when I hear that song, it's impossible to remove the other context from it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I guess I was like, and the, part of the reason it's so effective for me is that it recontextualizes this thing I don't think is that good, into something that I think is very good. You know, so I was just asking like, you know, sort of about coming at it from a neutral standpoint, not necessarily an anti standpoint, just an, a neutral standpoint, you know? Yeah. Um, but are, mm-hmm. are either of you guys familiar with the Danielson family?
2: Uh, only because of you.
0: Okay. So I'm, I'm not. Yeah. No. Daniel Smith produced seven swans and he is the leader of a band called the Danielson family or just the Danielson. Sometimes they go by and, um, and he is yeah, he is somehow more evangelical than Sufjan but his songs are are far less easy to comprehend like his songs you would if you just played that music for somebody you would never believe that that was inspired by anything other than just like a guy's really weird taste in music um but like his albums all have like these very very spiritual themes and I remember interviewing him when I was in college for my college radio station and asking him like do you ever because I had seen, I had seen the Danas family in concert once, and I was waiting. because I had interviewed him, or I, I was setting up the interview with him, rather, and I was waiting to talk to him after the show. And all these people come, come up to him, and there were two responses. There was people who were like crying because they were so happy that their faith was being like represented in music, and then there was like equally the number of people like, "Man, I love your show, but I don't get the God stuff." And, and so <laughs> uh-huh. I, I, I said to him, I was like, "Is it weird?" To have an audience that is so bisected by this. And he said, like, I don't care. I make the music I want to make. If they want to take a positive message from that, they can. But they do not have to do that in any way. The listener doesn't matter. All that listens. All that matters to me is what I'm putting out there. And I think that's a really interesting way to think about, like the way that Sufyan talks about his faith as well because I think that he doesn't care if anybody is moved by it She's sure, expressing I, yeah. his belief just like you know um, I mean I have a really homophobic friend I went to college with not a friend anymore he was a friend then who said he could never listen to Elton John once he found out he was gay because he can't imagine singing a love song about a man and just like the ridiculous absurdity of that and it, you know if you extrapolate that all the way out it's the same as listening to a song by someone who believes in a different God than you or believes in God and you don't. Or an atheist singing the song and a believer is listening to it. Like It doesn't really matter if the person is not trying to convince you of the argument, right? And I think that's what makes this music more universal is that there isn't that argumentative right and wrong discussion in there. Yeah, that's good. That's good. What What was mm-hmm. that? Band again, Brian. The Danielson family. I'll send you some stuff. Dan- okay. Okay. H- cool, H- cool. His voice kind of sounds like Judge Doom at the end of uh Roger Rabbit. <laughs> what is his voice? Is oh down. my god! I'm gonna cough now. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> I was trying to do the voice and I can't do it now. Uh, but yeah.
1: Um, I I not to like carry this tangent too much further, but that it it behooves me to also bring up the welcome wagon. Yes. Here. Yes. Because like Sufjan produced their first album and Vito's ordination song at the end of Michigan um is about I I assume it's about the the same Vito who is the you know mm-hmm. the the husband and the husband and wife team of the Welcome Wagon. Yeah. Um and like I feel. Uh, I feel like their albums have diminishing returns. Like the first one is like far and away the best one. Um, the second one has some good bits. I, I didn't really care for the third one that much, but um, in a lot of ways they feel like extensions of seven swans to me, sort of not really thematically, but sonically. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And,
0: um, and a lot of that might be, I think that might've been recorded at the new Jerusalem rec room, which is the studio that the Danison family Uses and okay. they have a label called Sounds Familiar, which is what uh, I believe Seven Swans came out on Sounds Familiar Records. And uh, okay, I still wear my Sounds Familiar t shirt all the time. Uh, but yeah, it's it, I think I think you would be both intrigued and incredibly perplexed by the Danielson family, <laughs> okay. But anyway, that right. was my number two. Um, we all have different number ones, which is insane. <laughs> yeah, so Zach, let's talk about your number one.
1: Okay, well, my number one is Age of Odds um, because it's not only the best Sufian album, it's one of the best albums ever made. Um, it is. I mean, it is. It just, like, I don't know, there's just literally I've never listened to anything else like it. And maybe that's just my, like, naivety and ignorance, but, like, it is just a, it, it, I mean, it is a, like, force of nature for me. Um, it was extremely influential it is so different from everything else he does he's done and not just because of like the instrumentation and how produced and electronic it is but there's i wanted to like talk about his voice there's there's a way that sufian used his voice during this era that's totally different than the way he sings in any of any of his other albums it's it's so like earnest and, and his voice will like crack in weird ways as he's singing. And it's, it's not as like quiet and whispery. It's, it's more his voice is fuller in some ways to me. Um, It's really hard to like talk about without having like a specific musical, you know, example pulled up, but it's, it's there in both, age of odds and all the lighted people um that
0: preceded it yeah
1: right right um and and so that i I, not only is it like my favorite sufian album but it's it's like my favorite sufian as well um it's it's like i think where he is doing some of his best work as a performer um and like you know there's an aspect of this is the only album that I have seen him live. And I, I saw him play the majority of this album without having actually heard it beforehand. So I heard it fresh. Um, like I saw the first time I heard impossible soul was him playing all 25 minutes of it. Um, oh, man,
3: so, which, good. Was,
1: which was insane. And so he, good. he was just like, um, you know, I'm going to play this new song. It's pretty long. Like, I hope you guys are cool with it. And then he just went, he just did the whole thing. Um. And, and, and yeah, like that, that album just has, is like tied up with so much sentiment and nostalgia for me. Like I can hear those opening, you know, notes of a feudal devices and, and just like, it it takes me to another world and then and then following up with that with like the weird like I, I don't even know like what the sounds are, but like the weird chugging electronic sounds at the beginning of too much and and just the the emotional roller coaster that is like that whole album. Um and and then also pretty soon after we saw it Um, we went to, me and and Maddie and a bunch of our friends actually went to Chicago and went to a, um, a, um, art gallery that had a lot of Royal Roberts art on display. And so like getting to see that kind of relative to like around the same time as, as Age of Oz coming out, um, I think it was like a few months later if so that like came out in the fall it was the next spring um and so like kind of just getting to see his work um which was a huge inspiration for age of odds his his artwork and his writings like that was all tied into it too um so it's kind of like i guess my the two sufian albums i picked are the ones that i've had the most experiential uh engagement with which is a big part of it too um so yeah, I'm just kind of rambling. Now, no,
2: you you're doing great. You're killing it.
1: Um But yeah, I I just love this album so much and it's it, it I think it's one of those few albums that has really stood the test of time for me in in ways that a lot of other things that I liked 10 years ago or longer hasn't.
2: Yeah. Uh, should I should I go next? What's well, talk I, about, So talk about
0: this album. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I am. Yep, yeah. yep. That's that's what I mean. Okay. Um, if you'd have caught me at nine o'clock this morning, I would have said Age of Odds was number one. I have thought that for, you know, the last eight or nine years. <laughs> um, but uh, well, we'll talk about Carrie and Lowell later. But but this album. Um, is up is super personal to me as well because there's so much about it. Like this is really where we now. There had been hints of this on earlier albums, like Romulus from Michigan, which I'm sure you'll talk about later, Brian, um, and various other songs where Sufjan gives you a glimpse into his personality and his anxieties and things like that. But this album is the first album I would say that is 100% about that and in such a way where it's obvious. Whereas I think like Seven Swans, um, obviously the spirituality is, is a huge part of, of who he is, but it also kind of obscures the personal a little bit in, in some way. And again, that's that's for me. That's coming from somebody who doesn't connect with that anymore. You know what I mean? So for this... This is all about anxiety, death, aging, um, being sick. He was sick uh, when he was developing this album.
0: Yeah, he had I, some like, weird infection or something, right?
2: Yeah, I, I believe he was like in a hospital bed for for quite. A, I don't want to misspeak, but he was sick for a while. Um, and like Zach said, he was kind of tiring of the way that he had been doing things before. The instrumentation he'd been using, even his voice—he's—he's he's said that he's been tired of his voice and how it was before. And and Zach alluded to that. And I I feel that on this album, I feel that anxiety and that anxiousness, and and wanting to move and move yourself and maybe become better. Or I mean, one of the songs is called uh, "I, I want, want to Be, be want Well,", to be well <laughs> yeah. which which. That oh man, that slays me. Um Impossible Soul is is so indulgent because it's over 25 minutes long, but it's one of my favorite Sufyan songs. I can I can listen to it over and over again and not get tired of it. There's all these different like measures within it that you know it's like a roller coaster ride. And seeing that performed live was one of like the transformative like live experiences I've ever had because it's so fun. He's running around the stage. Like the stage is full of like balloons and confetti and d- broken up disco ball and just oh, crazy. See, that,
1: that was a completely different oh. e- experience for mine. Um, but that's interesting. It sounds yeah. like all of his live performances though are very distinct and unique, but continue. It's, it's yeah.
2: wild, man. Um, Vesuvius, I think, like I, I, would hold Vesuvius up to, like John Wayne Gacy Jr., as like one of one of the great indie songs of all time. If if you think about the the lyrical content weighed against like like using Vesuvius as a thematic look into what. Sufyan was concerned about around this time. And then you consider like the, the musical journey that you go on, because at the end it's very much a different song than it is at the beginning. It, it's insanely good. It's like, it's so worth getting lost for five and a half minutes to just listen to this song and, and get absorbed by it. It's such a great metaphor. Um. And, and I think as far as Sufjan is concerned, I, again, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think he really thinks of this album highly when compared to some of his prior work, because, so we saw Carrie and Lowell live, and then we saw Sufjan in New York later that year. And by that time he was done with the Carrie and Lowell tour, but he was doing a couple festivals here and there. And we saw him at a festival in New York and he played some of the Carrie and Lowell songs, alongside Age of Odds songs, but the the feel of the show itself, Carrie and Lowell was this very dark, very moody setup that he had, um, very intentional with the with the dark and the light, and uh, and whereas his Age of Odds stuff is all neon neon tape and balloons and shit, you know. <laughs> It's insane, and he went back to that for the look and feel of the stage show. Whereas
0: I, I wonder, and not to like, not to butt in here, I wonder yeah. how much of that is just for a festival audience. That's a more palatable visual thing, and more of yeah. a sort of festival partyish atmosphere.
2: So certainly, certainly that could be the that could be the case, but he clearly favors. Like I, I I think I, and he did impossible soul there too. Um, and I just think like when he says he's sick of like the banjo stuff or whatever, it's not that he's never going to play that music again or that he hates it or whatever, but I think the age of odds for him is, it was, and is like freeing in some ways. I I really get that impression because, because then, because at this festival, he also played seven swans and smashed his banjo immediately after it, and then, and then never played another banjo song that show. Oh, you know? Um So he clearly has affection for the, for the old music, too, but I think he gets more of a kick out of playing Vesuvius and Impossible Soul and Feudal Devices, and I, I Walked.
1: All for Myself is... Oh, yep. Yep. Oh, with, man. With hairy chest and, and well-rehearsed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, great stuff.
0: Brian? Yeah, I mean you... I, I I don't dislike yeah. this album. I really don't. Um it's almost like the best way I can describe my relationship with this album is it almost feels like a record from a different artist. I can, yeah, I think you're I can see that, yeah. And I just prefer the other artist. Oh, you know, and that's, that's, that's fine. That's fine, yeah. Um, I will say also, like, the older I get, the more I like shorter records. Mm. And this borders on insanely long because of Impossible Well, Soul.
1: I, I, I hate to tell you that Michigan is only nine minutes shorter. Oh, I know.
0: I know it is. I, I know so...
1: it is.
2: Do I have a record for you?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, uh, and again, I'm not saying that that's like a hard and fast rule I just I tend to go towards shorter stuff, but I feel like with Michigan also there's there's more uh well, I'll save that for the Michigan discussion um, save it. yeah, yeah. But, there, but you know i I guess also I wasn't connecting as much when I first heard this, I listened to it once and didn't listen to it again for like five or six years. Um, <sighs> I just felt like nope, not for me cool let's move on. And I was already kind of growing tired. I had mentioned, like, I think the Avalanche was, like, the end of my active engagement with, like, being a super fan of Sufjan's stuff, you know? So I I was already sort of on the way out. And I have to say, I was, over the course of his career, I've been turned off sometimes by how... um, How can I say this? I'm trying not to sound like an old punk rock guy, but how careerist he is in some things, like how he definitely, like, invented the 50 States project as, like, a promotional thing. <laughs> and how, uh, like, you know, the stage show for Age of Odds and all the neon and that is just so over the top. And so, like, uh, I don't know. It just it feels to me like his songs can be so personal and so true to who he is. And I feel like every other aspect of his public persona is so fake. I mean, yeah. even the, he, well, the way he wears his stupid fucking hats, like you know, it's just so <laughs> fake, and uh, and so and again, like, he doesn't owe me anything, right? He doesn't. No. But, but
2: Can I can I push back on that just a little bit? Sure. I also think he just has a weird sense of humor that oh, sure. yeah.
1: that yeah that,
2: like that keep pe- that Gen Pop fun. does not get, and like with the Fifty States project, like yes, he said that and made it sound serious and, and kind of drag people along. But at a certain point you you knew that it was just kind of a joke. And I think he got a kick out of it that sure. most people didn't read it that way.
0: Sure. But like, you know, I, I just, it always bugged me that you listen to these, these songs by somebody who's pouring their heart out. And then all <laughs> of his press photos is him looking off into the distance, like a goon, like, you know, that stuff <laughs> just, just bothers me. Um, uh uh-huh. no i don't
1: know how i don't know how how else to to <laughs> deal with pouring your soul out and for
0: everyone to hear other than to just act like a goon just look normal <laughs> i don't know but anyway um
2: he doesn't know what to do with his hands brian yeah
0: I mean, none of us do to be fair but uh i mean
1: how 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 do you perform unless you're wearing angel wings and <laughs>
0: yeah um but yeah, so, you know, I, I, I think that this just further, like, in, in the narrative in my head at the time, this furthered the fake Sufyan, where I wanted to hear more of the real Sufyan, And so I wasn't, like, mad about it. I just thought, like, oh, this, this is what he's doing now, and this isn't my thing, so I'm going to move on from it. When I came back to it, I found that I liked a lot of this. Um, but as I said before, this just, this does not, to me, this does not highlight his strengths, as well as his other things do it's not a bad album it's just not that's interesting yeah Yeah. i guess i mean like i think i like fundamentally
1: disagree with you because i feel like this is him at his most earnest and his most raw and open carry and lowell man come on i (laughs) mean it's it's but it's like it's more subdued like i i see like maybe this is just like how i respond to uh Maybe maybe this is just how like I respond, but Carrie and Lowell and and Michigan and Seven Swans, it's the the kind of like quiet somber tone. It it feels like it's being masked or or veiled or ooh, ooh. I feel the exact opposite. I I feel like it's being subdued. Whereas this, I feel like he is just. I mean like he's not fucking around in of odds <laughs> yeah. anymore. You know, he's like, he's not behind this veneer of, of whatever.
0: Oh, I could well, not disagree not, more he's with He's not
1: this. hiding behind the banjo.
0: He's not hiding behind like neon shit and angel wings. Like that's to me, it's the no, exact but like, opposite. No, of that.
1: I see like, exact I think like, opposite. it's so much. There is so much, like it's so much richer, the like depth of it, it's just all there. And like, it is like this hodgepodge and this like hot mess because he's just like putting it all out there. Um, whereas I feel like his other albums is like, it's more restrained. Yes. He is like talking about very dark and complex things, but it's detached to me. Like, it's, I feel the, it's, it's,
0: I feel the 100% polar opposite. Oh, well, of how you I feel mean, that's, this.
1: that's fine. But that's like, that's just how I feel. Like it doesn't feel it feels like he's just like singing through a haze in some of the other albums where it's just like, I know it means something like I know Carrie and Lowell is like an extremely personal album and like what all of that meant for him. Um, But it just doesn't come across as well to me. I don't feel it as much as I do in age of odds.
0: Man. Yeah. I I fundamentally disagree with that. Feel like I'm, I'm looking through a glass
1: darkly on all of his
0: (laughs) other work and, I, I appreciate your St. Paul reference. I do. Um, yeah. But yeah. All right, Vince, talk about Carrie Lowell, buddy.
2: Okay, so <laughs> uh, you know me. The, the To me, the best music is the stuff that makes you cry the most. Um, uh, I think so. So. So this album was was my number two, like I said, at 9 a.m. this morning. And then I listened to it again on my drive home from work tonight. And for for some reason, I don't know what it is, but just about every song had me, like, choked up. And I think, uh, Brian, you called it his most mature work. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's true. There is none of the... Like if you if you talk about Age of Odds, I love Impossible Soul. There's no Impossible Soul here. There's no song that approaches. Like the longest song is just over five minutes, which is like,
0: nothing, which is, you know, which is a pop song for him. Like a yeah a, yeah.
2: A, yeah exactly. And and the thing about it is that I love those indulgent songs. I love Impossible Soul. I love Vito's Ordination. I love Come on Feel the Illinois. Like usually those long songs. Uh, with a lot of repetition in them and different different um, ebbs and flows to them, that's what I like about Sufjan. But I listen to this album and every single song is so nakedly personal. It's the first time where, like on Age of Odds, he's he's skirting around the edges. He's telling you all this stuff about his psyche, and and you can you can glean new stuff from it. You know, the more you listen to it. But Carrie and Lowell is just nakedly like, this is what I'm thinking about right now. This is, this is what happened to me, I, to Sufjan Stevens, you know. And every song is that, and uh, and the instrumentation is very similar throughout. You know, there's not, it's not like a carnival ride like like uh, Illinois is. Um, every song is strong. There's not, there's a lot of albums where, where you're sticking on a similar wavelength throughout and you, you lose the individuality between songs. And I think if you think that about this album, you haven't spent enough time with it because I think every song is really unique and has these really kind of like diamond in the rough aspects within them. Um, it probably I think it made me cry like five times this afternoon um should have known better has this uh it's the second track it it changes by the end kind of the way Vesuvius does and when that part hits it's such like an emotional release it's insane it's like the same Sufjan magic but it's it's wrapped in a tighter song it's wrapped in a tighter more mature package um which is something that I didn't know that I needed, but I guess I did, and and also also what it kind of what it's about is about this like fraught relationship with his mother, right? And so if you have anybody in your life where like you love them and you think about them a lot, but you have this maybe estranged or, or weird relationship with them, there's so much here that hits on that and. Hits on what it's like to to be a kid and see things one way, and then grow up and see them another way, or grow apart from somebody, and try to try to deal with the fact that you're you're never going to shake aspects of that, um, but also you need to move on. And it's just, uh, and then and then like we said, it's by far his shortest studio album, I think, at forty three minutes. Uh, it's just such a tight package you can absorb in in one sitting, as opposed to some of these other albums. And I just, for whatever reason, today I just really needed that, and I felt really comfortable saying, like, no, you know what? This is this is my favorite. If I wanted to listen to a Stevieon Stevens album to Sufjan Stevens album today, this is what I would sit down and listen to, for so many reasons. And uh, man, and and I will say this. When I saw it live, there were a couple of songs that he adds a little bit of bullshit to at the end, and it so works. Which is like like uh, Fourth of July at the end of Fourth of July, and I think Blue Bucket of Gold. He he does this like uh, this really long droning thing that he and, and and he there's these strobe lights that hit, and it makes you feel like you're gonna die. <laughs> and 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 the part of the lyrics in Fourth of July is that we're all gonna die. Which is true and that part he just he hits you with the strobe lights and the droning and the the we're all gonna die thing over and over again and and you feel like you're ascending (laughs) it's it's it was the most insane thing i've ever seen it's like my wife's favorite concert we've ever been to um it was something else so so yeah this this album blew me away today and it blew me away the first time i listened to it and and uh I think it's just the best now. I know. now I'm gushing now
1: I sound like Zach. Well, we all have to gush some.
0: <laughs> uh, Brian, you want to go first? Sure, I can talk about this. So, um, you know, what wait, what number was this for you, Brian? Uh, this was number three for me. But again, this in okay. Illinois could have been three and four. They could have, they could have switched, uh, pretty sure, easily. Sure, sure. Um, so this, this was my. Four, so, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's very similar there. Um, first of all, when I when I first heard this album, I thought it was like absolutely gorgeous and and brilliant, and it really stuck with me. Then my dad got diagnosed with terminal cancer, uh-huh. and you know I, I i have a I had a much much better relationship with my dad than Sufjan did with his mother, and I'm not comparing anything. My father and I had very few arguments. Uh, some tense moments, but you know we were very, very close. And just, but just hearing the sort of the the mourning and the grief and the the dealing with with the death of a parent has made this album change a lot for me, uh, in good and bad ways. I can't really enjoy it in the same way I did before. And it's funny to think of enjoying this album. It's like, there's that scene in the naked gun where they walk out of platoon and they're laughing, you know, it's like, (laughs) you know, it's, it's kind of hard to, to to have like, to say you, you enjoy listening to somebody like pour their heart out, you know, about, about this, this person they love, but have a complicated relationship with dying. You know, it's, it's tough to listen to. Um, but my relationship has changed with a lot because of that. Um, and I actually have not, until we did this, I had not listened to it since my dad died because I did not want to sort of deal with that just yet. Um, and so in that way, the album is, is really, really intense and, and has a very specific place in my life. Um, but uh, I'm I'm going to try and talk about it without that as a part of it, um, which is that I think that this is, like one of the things that that you hear a lot from musicians as they get older is just like, they start to pare things down to a smaller size at a certain point. And they realize like, Oh, you don't need to do as much. Like, so sometimes simplicity is more effective than bombast. And to me, this is, to me, this versus age of odds is simplicity versus bombast. And I think that the songs sing out better here. And this isn't like the banjo trumpet show. Like so much of his other stuff is this is, you know, guitar voice and a little bit of electronics, but I think that these songs just, they just, to me, are so much more memorable and hit me in such a different way than the age of odd songs do uh, because of this presentation. That said, uh, a lot of the vocals on this album were recorded onto his iPhone Mm.
3: and I don't Mm -hmm. love the
0: sound of that. Um, I think it's a very specific choice and I know why he made it, but you know, it's not, it's not a perfect Sonic album or anything like that. Um, but I think that you know, uh, like for somebody who loves Casimir Pulaski Day and um, who loves Romulus and those songs that are just that are just Sufjan bearing his soul in the most direct way, telling you a story that has a beginning, middle, and end. This is like a record full of those songs.
2: This is like eleven Romuli.
0: Exactly. Yes, <laughs> and yeah. uh, and I understand why maybe that's too much for some people because you know. That, you know, they're, they're intense songs, but I, I just think that they're really beautiful, and I also think it's very interesting that Sufjan did so much so fast early in his career, and then has really slowed down his output, and has taken his time. Like, Age of Odds is 2010, Carrion Lowell's 2015, and, you know, we haven't heard much about a new solo record since.
1: Well, I was gonna say, it's been ever since... Illinois,
0: it's, it's been, been f- every five years, right? Yeah, um, so, uh, so next I don't no. <laughs> yeah,
2: um, uh, next year, Wisconsin. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: But but you know, like uh, it, it's just fascinating because five years is a lifetime in the in like the music world, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. To to go away and then reinvent yourself each time, like it definitely gives yourself. It, it definitely gives you an opportunity to reinvent yourself because it's just been so long since you've done something else that you can do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I um I also think that this album could not have been made without the Age of Odds before it. And that in, in a way the Age of Odds sort of cleared the deck for him and said, "Okay, you can do anything you want to now. You don't have you're not constrained by the banjo and the trumpet and all of that, you know? Uh, And I'm really interested to see what the next step he takes is after this.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I can't imagine.
0: Zach. Yes. So,
1: um, I don't know. Like I can intellectually and like, you know, I can understand. I can read the lyrics and listen to what he's saying and understand that this is a very raw and emotional album, but it has never had that effect on me. Like I do not feel sad when I listen to this album Mm. for some reason. I don't know. Like I, 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 and again, it like comes down to the way it's presented again. Like, it is the monotony is not a right the right word, but the the like flatness of his voice and just I don't I don't know. it just really like has never done much for me. Um, and I mean, I listened to it a lot when it first came out and then I probably didn't listen to it again for a couple of years. Um, I think. There are some songs that are, I I think every song on it, I think, is really good. um, Like, technically good. And you know, it in the the way that, like, the gap breakdown for my album, for my list, it was kind of like the top four were all in a league away from my bottom three. Um, This was, like, a clear this was, for me, like, clearly below Illinois. And um, seven Swans. But I still... I mean, I still like it. I, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I'm... being kind of mealy mouth here, but... I don't know. It just doesn't do much for me. I really, really do like John, My Beloved, uh, Shadow of the Cross, Blue Bucket of Gold. I think that, like, closers... That, that like, three-part closing is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um... I don't know. Yeah, this this album when it came out even just like really didn't do much for me. So I don't know.
2: The, oh man, the the only thing that gives me chills. I mean, if that listen to that one in isolation and just let it like wash over you. And I I don't know how you can't feel something. But but I know I, mean, what you, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. There's there's not a lot of variety here. I think I think if you dig into it, that's where you find
1: the variety, you know, I mean, I'm not saying it's not I, I, I'm i not like disagreeing with you there. Like I'm saying, like, there is variety there. I and when I say monotony, I just mean like in his. Not in the instrumentation or like the differentiation between songs, because each song does
0: feel unique. It's just it. You realize that you and I have the exact same reviews of this and Age of Odds just reversed. Yeah, like literally we're saying the exact it's same weird. Things, just it's reversed.
1: really weird. I know. Yeah. And, and,
2: and they're my two favorites. So I I think I'm the right one. No, I'm just You're the right one I'm for kid- sure. I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding.
1: No, I'm kidding. no, you're, you're definitely right are. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. Maybe there's something missing inside me.
3: <laughs> no, no, no.
1: Um, I do feel like this this album is you know, like you mentioned one of his two shorter albums, the other being seven Swans, and this is kind of like an interesting bookend to seven Swans, I think in some ways, yeah, yeah I agree
0: um i I also think just like just to take this down a further rabbit hole, because we, we haven't talked quite for two hours yet, so we should probably get to that point. Oh, uh, sure. Which is that, like, I feel like Seven Swans is Seven Swans is very much like uh, an intellectual discussion of faith, and Carrie and Lowell is a, like, sobbing conversation in the rain about faith. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, like, I think, know. like,
1: yeah. And so I think that yeah, they, they I do think... book
0: in each other well for that reason.
1: I think like shadow of the cross, maybe after John Wayne Gacy has like, or whatever the other one that we said had like the most gut punch. Like those are, that sits in the the fuck me. I'm like, falling
0: apart line.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that part. Yeah. Like that is just like, uh man, <laughs> that, that song does like get me. And, and it was kind of like, you know, the fact, I think that that was the lead single to kind of made me set me up to expect to sort of, different album than what we got not not necessarily not not that it was misleading it's very much in line with everything there i i don't know my my just experience with this album has not been i guess typical or i i've just not had a very strong association with it and and i mean i've listened to it a lot and it's just not stuck with me i don't know
0: Again, we have the exact same reaction to, to this and Age of Odds. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I can sit here and
1: like look at. I I pulled out the the only thing and like to look through the lyrics when you brought it up, Vince, and I can see this, and I'm like, yeah, this is heavy stuff. But then I can also hear it playing in my head, and I'm just like, eh. Mm. Man, that's
2: okay. All right. I'm not, I'm not mad like Brian is.
0: I, I was only mad about the placement of Michigan. I'm not mad I know anything I know. else. I know. I well,
1: know. I was just preemptively getting you back. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is truly 40 chess going on right here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, let's talk. Let's talk about
2: a, a pretty good Sufyan. Fuck album. you. And uh, <laughs> <laughs>
3: we talking
1: oh, okay. about Michigan. almost as good as the sun came. Uh,
0: <laughs> eat shit. Um, okay, so this, 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 like one of the tests that I think for like what your favorite record by a band is or whatever is when you close your eyes and someone just says like Stephen Stevens to you, what's the first thing you think of? And to me, it's Michigan. That is that is the defining. Piece of his oeuvre when I just when I think about what Sufjan is, um, I think this has all of the elements that he would then branch out for for future releases. Like all of the all the bits that we've talked about from those other records are all found here in a lot of ways. A sun came and enjoy your rabbit came out first, but those records are are really not to me. Those don't feel like albums. Those feel like. Like Enjoy Your Rabbit's like a weird little project. A Sun Came seems like a collection of stuff he had recorded, but this is the first album. Album he made. This is the the record that has a beginning, middle, and end that has a theme that carries throughout it. Um, and you know, th- there's a lot of there's a lot on this album that is, I think, uh, like now cliche Sufjan stuff, right? Like the like the the banjo. And uh, the sort of the sort of the way that the, the backing vocals work on a lot of these songs, and even like the mallet percussion on something like tach- "Is It Tecaminon Falls," whatever that was pronounced, um, like all those elements do pop up in other records and all of that. And I and I think it's easy to forget how unique this was when it first came out because we're just used to it now. But when I first heard this, I had literally never heard anything like this before. There were, there were elements of folk music and obviously like indie rock, but also just like there's a certain Broadway theatricality to some of it, and there's uh, sort of hints of the avant-garde. And there is like, I don't think that there's a, a connection to praise music, but I think there's certainly a connection to like the, the Jesus music and folk music and, and sort of folk church music of the 60s and 70s. Very much found in here it's a synthesis of a lot of things that I happen to like in one in one place um, and I just think it's gorgeous I think I think it's lovely and it is long and the back half of the album can be a lot if you're if you're sort of not really focusing on everything you know like, you get that what's the song called um, the oh God where are you now which I love mm-hmm. but it's nine and a half minutes long. And it's not Impossible Soul, which has, like, ten movements within it, right? It's mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of the same for nine and a half minutes. But it's really beautiful. And, um, yeah, this is this is the definitive Sufjan Stevens record. If someone asked me, like, what's Sufjan Stevens is all about, this is still the record I would give them. Uh, and, like I said, you know, it it hit me. I got this. I can I want to say the album arrived in the mail in something like February or March of 2004. I think it was I think it's I, th- I think Erin just just came to visit. She was living in California for a year and uh she had come to visit me for a long weekend when I was a senior in college. And I think I just dropped off at the airport and like came home to find this album waiting for me. And so it will always remind me of that last semester of college and trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life and all of that. And, uh, yeah, it's super important to me personally. And,
1: you know, that's very interesting, Brian, because age of odds also came out during my last year of college. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: So, okay. That is interesting. That's,
1: that is very interesting.
0: Uh, I'll also say that Zach, I can't believe Romulus doesn't make you feel anything.
1: I mean, maybe I just need to give it another shot. i I'm telling you, like, uh, I think, so, I, uh, my experience with music is weird, because the songs that stick with me the longest, I think, are the ones that are very deep lyrically, or, or, or I associate with lyrically, but... I will usually not get to those songs unless they intrigue me or attract me sonically first. And so it's like a, it's like a bird or like a hurdle I have to get over first. And I think, I honestly think that's like the issue with Carrie and Lowell for me and probably to some degree, Michigan as well. Um, is just that I don't find it interesting enough to listen to, and if I don't have that part first, it's just harder for me to connect with it in any way.
0: I mean, I I understand the words that you're saying. I can't put them into context in my head uh, because I well, think some of these songs I'm, I'm are just... like you know. I think some of these songs. I I understand like you know. Well, I, mean, I mean it's listen, just it is a guy guitar, right? Like I, and a little bit of banjo. It's not the most like it's not the most mind-blowing combination of instruments put together. But a lot of this album does have really interesting instrumentation to it. I mean interesting in,
1: instrument interesting instrumentation is one thing, like but if it doesn't grab me or like if I don't form an emotional attachment with the melody or with just the overall feel of a song I, I there's just a lot there's a less chance lesser chance that I will engage with it deeper I guess or feel the need to or the desire to I guess I don't know I mean that's just it's just me it's just the way I I, I work I don't know it's just the way my brain works Vince. Um,
2: yeah, I, 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 like Michigan for all the reasons you say, Brian. I think, I think what you say about if if you want to point to an album that is Soupyon Stevens, I I think you almost you have to point to Illinois because it has the warts too. Whereas I don't think this album has.
0: Oh sure that's interesting okay
2: you know what i mean like like it or not the like weird embellishments and the over the top stuff is is Sufjan as well and so i think like this is the proto illinois album and I, I think i actually think that michigan is a stronger album than illinois but the highs of illinois are so high for me that that's why that places ahead of it
0: I don't disagree with that, by the way. I think that maybe sure. maybe Illinois has four or five of his best songs ever, whereas Michigan maybe has two or three of his best songs ever. Yeah, but I think that the lows of Illinois are so much lower than the lows of Michigan.
2: I agree. Michigan is such an even keeled album, as far as quality is concerned. Um, you know, some minor embellishments here and there that don't, that don't like. Barry parts of the album the way that the way that Illinois does towards the end. You know, I think the end of this album is really strong. I think the last four songs maybe are really memorable. I think Vito's ordination song is an amazing closer. Um, I think the I think the repetition in that song is so appealing to me. It's it's almost like a. I mean, it is. A religious song but it's it's like a religious song that non-religious people can get into you know you know what i mean it's jesus I don't for the common know. man yeah it's, it's really it's like, yeah you know i i don't know it um <laughs> R- romulus is a, a total killer that's another one i feel like every sufian album has a song that's like the best song he's ever written and <laughs> romulus is surely up there Um, and I think, I think Michigan more like Illinois was the one that really put him on the map, but I think Michigan is the one that people heard and, and it had all these unique elements to it. All these different, you know, like woodwinds next to electric guitars next to, uh, string you know violins and glockenspiels and etc cetera, etc cetera. all this stuff that all of a sudden started showing up on other indie records and other artists were using them you know um this is where like your Bonavaires came from right yes yeah and, you know
3: yes
1: yeah. and it it is for all i think intents and purposes really. is kind of his first album if you want to really it's it is yeah it is you know it is like
0: it's not his first record it's his first album
1: it's yeah and i think like most people would be content to say i think a lot of artists have like that point where you know it's just like yeah they did some stuff before this but this is this is their beginning
2: yeah we don't we don't talk about that stuff yeah yeah Yeah. carly ray hasn't touched a song from her first album in like
1: right <laughs> exactly right right i had to
2: sneak that in there um yeah yeah so uh now i don't know when the last time Sufyan played a song from this either but it's not because it would be like thematically or tonally completely different from where he's at now you know um yeah it's just it's it's a really great i can i can totally I would, there'd never be a day where I would have it at number one. But like I said, my, my top five are so bunched close together that, you know, on a good day, it could easily be three. I just, the and, Carrie and Lowell and, and Age of Odds thing is so concrete for me. But everything behind it is really close and constantly jumping around.
1: And I'll, I'll give it another shot, Brian. But I, I feel like I, any day I would, I would. Take your Romulus and raise you literally any song on Age of Odds. Oh no!
2: I can't agree with. I can't agree with
1: that. L- pretty much, other than maybe like bad communication, maybe. <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll give you that one.
3: <sighs>
2: uh. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm running out of steam here because we've been talking for two hours. But yeah, uh,
1: I did not expect this at all. We're going to talk more about Sufian tonight than we are comics.
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. One hundred percent. Yes. For sure. So. Um, or
2: we did to talk about yes we did comics, <laughs> comics for much less than <laughs>
0: yes we we surely used our energy for the sh- for the part of the show that people come to the show for <laughs> <laughs> yes we surely did that um, yes
1: well you know the, the man from metropolis did steal our hearts
0: he really did oh, he did many years ago
1: yeah so uh next time's kanye huh <laughs> well i was gonna say should it be kanye or, or weezer um oh, we're not doing weezer weezer's uh, new album i really think we Weezer
0: I, album doesn't come out till may so we can save okay. Weezer
1: till may yeah okay i i will need that long to go back through and listen to everything from like ratitude on oh. uh see i, I will
2: i oh. i can't do weezer you can do I'm, you guys I'm, it. I'm I'm you guys tempted can do to do Weezer.
0: it. I'm tempted to do it. <laughs> you can do Weezer Fence. You can do it.
2: But I don't have I'm the...
1: like really fascinated to see like I I I would be tempted to do it.
2: You guys can do it. Uh, the thing about Pornos and uh and Sufjan is that we all three of us have a deep connection to, to them. Whereas Weezer is like a threadbare connection for me. Interesting.
0: Yeah. And, and I'll say that, like, you guys are way more Kanye heads than I am, but I have enough Kanye opinions. Yeah. To make a Kanye one work.
2: My we, my did. Weezer opinion is they have one and a half
0: good albums. Fuck you. Okay. We have at least two good
1: albums. Pinkerton's great. Pinkerton is, that's very, the one good one. Oh, the
0: Blue Album's great too. Blue Albums so cool.
1: are great. That's some songs and we're like songs. you could definitely mash up Green Album and Maladroit and have a very good album I I have
0: said that Weezer has put out two albums and then compilations of the next two albums all the way up and then they're <laughs> yeah, fine yeah yeah trust me they're fine. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have the playlist to prove it anyway yeah, the evidence I have the evidence we're getting out of here finally Good night, folks we'll see you next time
2: I'm. Uh, I have. I'm wearing a, an entire uh, tear-off bodysuit so that I can become as nude and red and mad as fast as possible. <clears throat> when you when you give your opinion on that.